Hello and welcome to episode 457 of Conversation Street. This is for the week of the 8th to the 12th of February and that is episodes 10,243 to 10,248. I am Michael. I'm Gemma. She is indeed and we are going to be talking about loads of curry stuff today. All the stuff with Bidgin. No, no, no. Let's not. What? Let's get on with it. I'm just, I'm just previewing. Just so that we're talking about know. Coronation Street. People know that we've got a Patreon competition that's going to... on at the moment. There's a one-year Patreon subscription for the top yes. tier up for grabs. What an amazing new prize! New patrons only. Please, if you would like to enter the competition, what you need to do is let us know how long are all the episodes of Conversation Street combined between episode one and episode four hundred and fifty-four. That's when if the would... competition launched. Um. Feel free to have a stab at a guess. You might, you don't know, you might win. You might be the closest. You don't have to get it exactly. You just have to be the closest person to yeah. it. So email us with the header Patreon competition to conversationstreet at gmail.com. Can they do it in like two weeks' time? The deadline is on the 19th of February. So no is the answer to that. You have got one week, ladies those, and gentlemen, to get, get your emails in. Guesses in. Now it's time for the quiz. We haven't done anything exciting this week, just in case you're wondering. This is the quiz for things that happened between the 8th and the 12th of February in years ending in a 1 and a 6. And I saw this from coronationstreet.fandom.com. And as usual, I don't have a pen. No, I also do not have a pen this week to write the score. I will type the score, don't worry, it's fine. And I'm people ready. will be able to hear the That's noise. Okay. This was difficult this week, but here we go. Why is it difficult? I just didn't. I didn't feel like there was a lot that I could ask you questions. Not much about. going on on Valentine's there Week's There was a lot past. happening, but I was like, I don't understand. Happy Valentine's Week, it. everybody! Oh yeah. Also, Happy Chinese New Year! It's now it the. Is. It's now the year of the ox. Yes. Let's hope that this was going to be a better year than the last uh, <laughs> year, and I tried to learn how to say Happy New Year in Chinese, and I couldn't do just it. Just came out it's wrong. Really, no, it's just really difficult to. Pronounce. So I thought I'd better not. I better not just mangle it. Also, happy Galentine's Day to all my ladies out there. What's that? I've not heard of this. Galentine's Day. Is, it was from Parks and Recreation. I don't know if it existed before that. <laughs> it's just um, celebrating your female friends on on Valentine's Day, and maybe um, we can I'm have. Trying to think of a man version. Valentine's Day. <laughs> just makes it sound like everything's going to go wrong. <laughs> Well, I'll let, I'll this let is them very end. sad that Listen, we can't I'll go let... out to a nice restaurant for Valentine's Day for the first time, isn't it? Yeah, that's pretty mal. Yeah, I mean, I'll let men make their own holidays up. Why should it, Why should it be down to a woman to make up a holiday for men to celebrate their friendships? We don't need your help. Come on, then make one up. Eighth of February, nineteen sixty-one. First appearance of which character who remained in the show until nineteen ninety-nine? I was not listening. What was the date? Eighth of February, nineteen sixty-one. This character was in the show until 1999. Oh, Alf. That's right, yeah. And lots of people Alpha. don't realise that um, Alf Roberts was in the show for so long. But he was in the first... It arrived in the first he, three months Yeah, but he didn't show. do very much no, for a long time, did no, he? He was really, just kind of hanging around occasionally really in the Rovers with Len. insipid character for a long time. 9th of February... Well, he 9th... was married for a long time as well, wasn't he? We never even met his wife. Do you remember what her name was? Uh, I do not. Phyllis. 9th of February, 1976. Okay. A TV licensed detective van is in the area. Who do they catch without a licence? I remember this episode. It was uh, very funny. Was it... Um, <laughs> I'm sure there were two TV licence episodes that yeah, we saw. Yeah, there were. There, there, it was a running theme 
I'm going to say Stan and Hilda. No. No, that was the other one. Annie Walker. Annie Walker, yes, it was. You don't get it. You don't get it. She thought that the license was up to date, but sadly, after her husband passed away, she did not uh, keep up yeah, with Yeah, no, the Stan and Hilda episode one, wasn't it? That was when Hilda had got a new licence and Stan didn't think they had one and he tried to take episode. the TV away and broke. It broke it on the floor. and then uh, You came. should have asked me a question about that. And it was a rental uh, TV and um, somebody offered to repair it for £40, but they couldn't afford it. Oh. Um, I also looked into this and tried to find out whether TV detector vans are real or not. Um, oh, you've been doing this this afternoon, have you? That's what I did earlier. Oh. Apparently... Well, if you if you try to Google this, you will find half the people adamant that they are real and you can actually detect whether somebody is watching television in a house. Yeah. And the other half are like, no, it's completely made up. There's no reason why they would be able to detect a device that was um, receiving transmissions rather than making them. Yeah. And also, they don't need to have TV detector vans. All they need to do is have a list of people um, who have bought or rented televisions. And apparently... Um, at the time, I don't know when this stopped happening or if it has stopped happening, um, whenever a t- television was sold or rented, the the information and address of the person was passed on to the TV licensing. Snitches. So what they do is go through and see any any address that doesn't have a yeah. TV... A t- a t- doesn't have a TV licence, they just go and hassle you. Oh. And I don't know whether people know about this who aren't in the UK, but we have to pay... A television license is specifically only to watch the BBC. I think people know that. And it's about 150, 140 quid a year. Yep. And it's less if you want a colour, uh, a black and white television <laughs> license. Very interesting. This is so informative, this week's podcast. I feel like I'm learning whilst we're entertaining. Yeah. 9th of February 1996, who does Ken employ as a childminder for Daniel? 1996? Mm-hmm. Kelly. Do you remember her surname? Nope. Kelly Thompson. Mm. Are you going to write these down? Um, got oh, yes. Zero and then I got, got a zero and a one. one. Oh, um, 10th of February, 2016. Todd gets a job at which street business? And I mean show business. <laughs> 2016. Um, yeah. Preston's Petals. That's right. Yeah, you thought I'd Do you that remember one. that, everybody, when Todd used to work at the florists? Yeah, it was wonder... him and Tracy working together, didn't they? They made oh, a good team. I wonder if new Todd remembers anything about the flowers. <laughs> I don't know. I'd love to see him working back there. I can't remember how it ended. Did he just run away? <laughs> Probably. I'm surprised that Tracy's not. Oh, are you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you still owe me like two weeks worth of work. <laughs> 10th of February 2016. What does Simon do to Kyle that leads Leanne to report him to the police? And Kyle is another child. I don't even remember who Kyle is. He's another child. Um. Um. Ah. Uh, I don't. I don't remember. Uh, hits him. This was in the midst of um, Simon being a, an a horrible, abusive and angry yeah. young man. He broke his leg. How? During, I think it was during a football match. Oh, so not hitting then. All right, fine. Next. 11th of February 2001. What devastating news does Peter deliver to Ken? 2001. 2001? Mm-hmm. Well, this isn't too Jenny long after. Been in it not very long. Yeah, I was going to say, not been in it too long. Um, this was uh, by that we mean Chris, Chris Gascoigne who took over the role of Peter yeah. in two thousand. Uh, oh. uh, Give up. Uh, I'm just gonna. You're gonna kill yourself. Am I? <gasps> Susan's dead. Susan dies in a car crash. <laughs> Billy, what you like? <laughs> 
He's causing mischief, even like when he wasn't in the show. <laughs> 12th of February, 1986. Audrey is horrified to learn Alpha's purchased a property and intends for her to open a hair salon in the front parlour. Yes. Which property is it? Uh, why, that would be number 11 Coronation Street. Correct. <laughs> 12th of February, 2001. Gina, remember Gina? Yes. Barmaid. Arranges... Oh, not that Gina. No, Gina with a G-E-E. I do remember that Gina. I Gina arranges for a kiss for a pound night at the pub to raise money for Emily's charity. Uh-huh. What is the charity's name? Uh, Friends of Weatherfield Hospital. Correct. Yes. Uh, God, I love Emily. 12th of, <laughs> 12th of February, 2006. When Tyrone realises his food van is on fire because he forgot to turn off the deep fat fryer, yes. what is his solution? Drive it in the lake. Yes, he does. He drives it in the lake. 12th of February, 2016. Beth is convinced that the bistro food has given her a rash. But who actually caused it and how? Oh. Uh, I don't think I know this. I don't think it's the... Beth. Beth. Oh. Ah, what are you mm. about? Oh, no. Come on. Mm. Come on. You can do it. Um, <laughs> is it? I think it might be to do with something that they were making for Hope. When she had her cancer, was it a little? They making chemotherapy, and she just kind of licked a bit, and then no, they gave yeah. herself when a they rash. Go, when, when the hospital, when the factory girls making some, kind they were of... making little head yeah. band things. Is it not that? No, oh. um, it was because David used the wrong hair dye and didn't test her. Okay, so she's threatened, threatened to sue. Twelfth of February, two thousand and sixteen. When Izzy confides in Erica that she's in terrible pain. <laughs> that story. Love what it. is Erica's solution? Drugs. Specifically, what which cannabis drugs? Cannabis drugs, naughty, naughty. They go at the end. Right, I only got three wrong there. I got one, two, three, four, five, six, eight right and three wrong. That Congratulations! Good this week. Decent Thank score. Thank you very much. Thank you very much indeed. Birthdays: thirteenth of February is Peter Gunn's birthday. Played Brian Packham. Fourteenth mm-hmm. of February, Mark Eden played Alan Bradley. Oh. Sad. Sixteenth um, of February, Peter Adamson who played Len Fairclough. Seventeenth of February, Prunella G who played Doreen Heavey. And oh, Ellie Haddington, who played Josie Clark. 18th of February, Tom Wisdom, who played Tom Ferguson. I always love it when characters, when actors play a character who's got the same first name as them, because it always makes them sound like they're like, no, you know, you have to name after me, because I just won't know <laughs> if you're talking to me. It gets really confusing, so I just like to play the, myself. myself. Then finally, we've got 19th of February, Jack Howarth, who played Albert Tatlock, and Mark Anwar, who played Sharif Nazir. <laughs> I love the inflections you give certain names that we read out on the podcast, and you can read all, all kinds you of things. You can read into things that. into it. So, happy birthday <laughs> to everybody whose birthday is this happy week. Happy birthday, everybody. And, and that's happy it. birthday's not this week. Happy Valentine's Day from us because we love you. Yes, happy Valentine's Day if you're a gal, and happy Valentine's Day if you're a man, and happy Valentine's Day for everybody else and also everybody I just oh, mentioned. Sweet. But did we love Coronation Street this week? Valentine's did Day. we love Coronation Street this week? Let's find out, <laughs> shall we? Yes. Street talk for this week. What have we got to talk about this week? Monday's episode was great, wasn't it? Didn't you like Monday's episode with the bidding war? Great stuff. Wasn't so great after that, I thought. 
but let's find out and talk a little bit about more what happened. I got really mad about Wednesday's episode. Gemma got her. She was, she was irate oh, on Wednesday's like, episode. How? Fine. Get ready what? for a Gemma rant incoming, everybody. How? Um, we're going to... The, 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 the thing about Monday is that it kind of took in... It was, it was almost just one story with a tiny few, few bits of other Johnny stuff in that because it was everything that was going on with the bidding war, um, which drew in the Ray side of things, but also the, the Platts and the Gale and everything side of things, which obviously separated back out again on Wednesday. Little did Tracy and David know it wasn't a bidding war. It was a biddy war and Gale won. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was a very ageist joke. It, but it sounds ageist. Um, so I've called the, the bidding part of the storyline. Now, you have to remember D- Dara Brin's uh, excellent panel game oh. show about video games go 8-bit to really understand this pun, but I'm calling this one go 8-bid. <laughs> you get it, everybody. They were bidding on number 8. Um, and then we've got the, the Ray Ray Gone Away story, we've got the lovely gay dead story after that, and then we finally get on to the rest of the stuff of the week, the Johnny Jailbird. Size Supplies is now going to be my Simon doing a drug dealing storyline title, mm-hmm. uh, which also had uh, Leanne and her... Um, <laughs> Moon gazing at the end of today's episode. Moon gazing. Well, the, the the medium was called Crystal Moon. Apparently. Oh right, that reminds me of she a girl at my mum's school. It used to be called Crystal Knobs. Really? Yep, that was her real name. Wow, um, and then we'll have the ties heads all in a spin, and um, finally the pullover storyline was back again today with a blender or was it a juicer? I think there was some hot debate about that on Twitter this evening. Oh really? Yes, apparently so. What would you? What do you mean? Was it a blender? Was it a juicer? What would you call it if you could make? Um, They're two completely different things. Well, what was it that What was it that Billy had? Well, what did he describe it as? I don't know. But you saw it. It was a thing that you stick fruit inside, and you make I didn't juices out of it. Our Gemma was also half cooking, cooking dinner when we were doing this. Sorry. If it's if you okay, can I explain? It doesn't matter. Can I explain it? the difference? A juicer is an is a machine that removes the pulp from a piece of fruit or vegetable and only gives you the juice. Yeah. A blender mm. or a smoothie maker grinds up the entire piece of fruit or I vegetable. I think it was one of those. And you have all the fibre and the, all the, bits. the gunk is all left inside. I think it was one of those, but I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Let's talk about the Go 8-Bid story first. Um, can, I, can I do this one? Because I, I did, I did like enjoy to. this. Well, you, got, you wrote the notes, so I you thought can it was quite fun. So uh, we find out on Monday morning there that David can't get a mortgage for number eight. The application's been denied because of the sinkhole, so he's in a bit of a hole himself. He hasn't got enough money to be able to... To, to, to get this off of Tracy. Um, Steve has got back from his walking holiday. He's, he's back for one day, and then I don't know, he just wanders back off into the wilderness again from Wednesday's episode onwards. But he hadn't heard a thing about Tracy's plan to get number eight, so he's understandably shocked about this. She's doing her best to persuade him that it would be a great investment if they move into the, uh, the Maisonette. But, um, but yeah, he's, he's not so sure. I, again, find... The money situation of all the characters on Coronation Street, for which most of the characters, baffling beyond belief. They either have just the right amount of money or not enough money almost, I understand. depending on the story, think... or, or no money and actually there are thousands of pounds in the red, depending on what kind of drama they want to eke out of it. So, so they've sold they've sold the flat above the, the yes. hairdressers yes. and the florists. No, the taxi. Um, no, the taxi. Yeah, the streetcars has been sold. So they have money. That makes sense. Really. Yeah. 
but why do they not want to buy the the place that generates money back? I mean, logic, logically speaking, no, you wouldn't want to buy it back because you the the stupid thing on Coronation Street is that everybody owns the property that they work in, mm. which doesn't happen in real life. <laughs> well, it seems to me that Tracy just wants to... Um, she's just got her eye on this house and she wants to move out of the grotty terrace that she's been in. Although it was only like a year or like... so ago where she was going, we need to take this, we need to get it over... They were fighting for um, it against Carla and Peter, yeah, weren't yeah. they? And Tracy was saying, this is my childhood home. And she's I was like, like, screw that. It it kind of makes me laugh because she's in like almost exactly the same situation as us, but I think she's being ridiculous <laughs> because she's like, listen, I know literally it adds like two rooms and a garden and it's over the road, but I need this house. <laughs> it has to, we have to have it. I it's want a to massive go and live increase. next door to the place that I killed Charlie Stubbs just yeah. for the memories. Because I like the layout. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... Um, Audrey, meanwhile, we find is booking a Caribbean cruise. She's just getting away from Bloody it all. Bloody good idea. I know. Well, We're this just is, gonna. This is our honeymoon a Caribbean cruise, wasn't it? We we, we would highly recommend it, Audrey. Bloody, and she's it also. I'll tell you what, it was really really well, she, expensive. It it was, but she also gets to um uh, to eat at the captain's table, which we didn't do, but we did have a chef's table experience, oh, which was um, yeah, quite something. If you if you know about my Michael general every fussiness, course. it was hilarious. it was uh, it, it was like the the most you know the the best experience on board it was such a privilege to be able to have you cooked oh, yeah, by the by the, the head chef there it, was only was a few number money. of people and they were giving me all this oh weird stuff you what had to get? eat like a crab salad you had to there. eat a crab salad in a and mushroomy. it was hilarious because um michael doesn't like any form of seafood or fish or anything and will not eat it and he had to walk through the the kitchen do you remember he, we got given this yeah. little cone of of seafood salad and you were like oh I, I i i took little bits just to be polite and i'm sure you're very proud of me you, you just found it too hilarious to be mad at me for turning up my nose at well you managed to not be rude which you normally are very <laughs> rude about food yeah it was it wasn't my favorite meal that we had on there i'm sure you um, will have a lovely time but yeah i just want to say again we're not going to talk about how um, about the fact that COVID exists and there's no way that she would be oh, booking a cruise. No, I'm, I, I can't. That's not interesting to talk about over and over again. No, there's there so Street many things made, that happened today that wouldn't have happened at the moment. I don't care. Coronation Street has made an editorial decision to ignore the reality. Well, to not try and predict what's going to happen yeah. two months plus and in I think advance. That's the, I honestly think that that's the best yeah, move. so do I, so do so I. So I don't care. No. I know that some people find it very irritating. They've got their masks, they refer to it sometimes. And they take their Ray masks made a mention to lockdown today. And, yeah, and, yeah, so... Um, right, Shona reckons that David should maybe try and get some of this money off of Audrey that she's okay. going to use for the, cru- for the cruise, so, and he's like, no. So they sold their house for £90,000, I think, and I think David has got £70,000 from the sale. So I can't believe that he'd paid off 70 grand of a mortgage and only had 20 grand left. I think, considering how much money gets thrown around all over the street, I think he'd just quickly pay that 20 grand and have his mortgage paid off. But anyway, so I think that that's where they are. But the situation is that now he he can't get the mortgage for the 20 grand because of the sinkhole. Don't ask me why he couldn't just get a loan because I think you could probably get an unsecured loan for 20 grand. Did they mention that? I don't know. Um, But... Now, the problem is that it's going to go up for auction because he couldn't pay for it outright. So yes. the price, the guide price, I believe, was listed at £110,000. 
So he's got to try to raise considerably more money than the £90,000 that he originally sold the house for. You've remembered this very well. I, I was just caught up in the drama of, ooh, who's it going to be? I didn't really I pay any attention to that. I don't know any... Uh, mask leaves me completely cold and I can't deal with most of it. But if you say numbers that are have got pound signs in front of them, suddenly, suddenly I understand and pay attention. <laughs> um, Shona finds out from Audrey that the reason David's maybe a little bit hesitant to ask her for money is because of that whole stealing thing that happened a few years ago. And they're all cool now, of course, but she uh, doesn't want to make any grand financial I, gestures. I really like Grand this. financial gestures, maybe it should be. I really like this because Audrey was like, look, no hard feelings, but I'm not putting my neck out for, for that. Yeah, too again. right. He was lucky that she right. uh, that he forgave that uh, she forgave him. She's she's totally right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she, I mean, she goes back on it in the end. Mm. Um, Steve tells Shona that if um they had the money to raise, then they wouldn't bid against them. If they if they had the money to pay for it, then they wouldn't bid against them. They'd let hit them have it because he understands that that is their home. And Tracy says, "Shut up, Steve." She is she is got a heart set on number eight now. So Shona calls Tracy a nasty, selfish cow and Steve's spineless for putting up with her. Well, basically, And Steve's... Tracy gives like a... She gives a look of triumph. She's like, well, I've, I've had worse, love. Is that the best you can do? <laughs> I think Steve's point isn't that we're not going to try and buy it off you. It's that we know you can't afford it anyway. So what's the point of us not? Mm. I think that's what Steve was trying to yeah, say. Yeah, he, he's been taught around to the idea. I think he's just like laid down and let Tracy walk all over him, basically. Um, well, he's obviously she... completely flush. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, so Shona comes up with a plan. She happens to see an electrician cutting wires and fiddling about with that box I round by the side the of the road. I think the electrician was cutting wires. She has an idea. <laughs> what could it be? So this is when we cut to Tracy in number one. She's got a laptop on. She's all set to bid. There's no other bidders. Everything's going great guns for her. They're going to get this house. This honestly was the most interesting. Like this. I don't understand why this was so interesting. No, not why. And but it especially was... because the outcome we. We, well, we predicted last week. Yeah. I mean, we didn't know it was going to happen, that Gail was going to be the one that got it. And all the way through this, I was thinking, neither of them are going to get it. Clearly, none of them are going to be. I was still really, really excited yeah. by it. I think it's because it was, a unusual, it was an unusual thing. Also, it involved strategy, because they were trying to work out from yeah. the other bidders... Why, what they were doing and what they were thinking and how much money they had. And I, I think, think it was everyone's... also the characters that were involved as well. Yeah, and then, all vindictive. Yeah, and then every so often people would come in and Nick's like, I can give you another £1,000. Yes, or yeah. Audrey at the beginning comes into the factory and she says, oh, okay, I will lend you the money then. Yeah. Um, and, and the other and says, thing... I'll get bidding before Tracy Barlow gets her hands on our crown jewels. <laughs> as if it was, as, as if Tracy hasn't got her hands on David's crown jewels once before. Yes, um, Exactly. I also think it was a really, really clever way of having conflict between characters that was just naturally socially distanced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was really... Monday's episode, honestly, I can't speak any more highly of it. And also, the other thing it, is, I think everybody I who's been on eBay can relate to the yes. process of being in a bidding war for something and just going like, oh, damn it. It's like, it's just slightly more than I was going to spend, but I can't I let it go. a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um... <laughs> So the, Tracy gets this message ding up that there's a new bidder, which is obviously David throwing his hat into the ring. And then and then this very unlikely looking connection lost message pops up. This well, there were quite a few bids before then, weren't there? Yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then they lose the connection. They, they lose the connection. This is Shona cutting the wires and cutting off the internet to the whole street. Because, with a shovel. With, with a shovel, Yeah. We didn't get to see her doing it, so we can only, you know, just go imagine how she managed to achieve this. Are they all on the same 
internet provider. I don't think or, it matters because it's the not, hardware the, the, the belongs to BT, or... doesn't it? Uh, yeah, Do you remember okay. when we used to have? But we, there's ours because we're with Virgin yeah. for our sins, and um, we've got we've got our own little special fiber optic wire going into our house, haven't we? I don't think that Weatherfield has fiber optic. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody Virgin. on the, I think I, uh, I think Navdu from the Facebook group asked what exactly Shona did to make everyone's Wi-Fi go off, and I suggested that maybe she had switched them to Virgin Media because that usually will do the trick if yeah. you want to give somebody dodgy Wi-Fi, just set them up with Virgin. Dreadful service. This is slander. Anyway, yeah, this this connection loss message pops up, and and yet again we get to see the the odd operating system that everyone in Weatherfield seems to favour over over Windows or, uh, or. This is a parallel universe where Bill Gates never lived. It, it's in a parallel universe where everybody's computers is an extremely low resolution, and the font size is you know size thirty for everything. Connection lost. It didn't just like a little little bubble pop up in the corner of the screen. We all what need to know. Happens, what normally happens is. You just try to load something and it doesn't work, and then you look in the bottom and there's like a big exclamation mark over where your your Wi-Fi thing should be. Yeah, I thought it was usually a little little circle with with crisscrosses in. Anyway, doesn't their matter. connection has been lost, and it takes them a good while to think, what could I do now? So whatever internet service they're usually on in Weatherfield, no wonder everyone's on it. It never goes off because the moment it does, it's like, how on earth else could we get internet? What was that broadband? Uh, service that kept advertising it and saying that they were northern. And oh, that's Plusnet. Big. Yeah, they're probably all on Plusnet. Yeah, that's what plus some of my dad's on. Oh, Plusnet, it's from up north, so you know you, you can, can just, rely not on like it. that fancy <laughs> southern internet that's all flighty and don't even turn up on time. Um, anyway, <laughs> so Tracy, Tracy has not yet thought about using her mo- mobile phone to get on the internet. Neither has David. Because they know how to use hotspots. Com- no idea. She comes out of her house and sees Shona with a shovel over her shoulder walking proudly down the street, which I thought was a brilliant yeah, shot. Yeah, Shona's she, hilarious. She tells David what she's done. Obviously, she doesn't know that David is joining in in the bidding war now, so David's mad at her. Um, and then Nick comes up with the idea. Nick, everybody, is the one who realises, hang on a minute, we can get internet on our phones. Have you ever thought about... Set- have you ever set up a mobile hotspot, David? And he has to explain to David... Surely, David, is it just me? Can I just Does tell everybody you... Know how, doesn't everybody know how to set up a mobile hotspot? Or is it just us who always have to do it because we've got internet. rubbish internet? Yeah. You, you've mixed a lot of this up because now you've got the bidding war starting and David's starting at, at 115,000. No, 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 I haven't. No. Oh, because oh, oh, once the... Yeah, I did. that's what I thought. The bidding war hadn't started before. It was oh. just about to start and then it goes Oh, off. that's right, because Shona's so... like, yay, everybody. Yeah. Yeah, so no, nobody has bid at the moment. Oh, yeah, I was confused. Um, Steve's trying to prise Amy's phone out of her hand because neither his nor Tracy's phone will connect to the internet or something. Um, but anyway, maybe never mind, listen, never Michael, mind that. Maybe they don't have very much data. They're back online again. Well, she... Did you say Amy says... Um, yeah, can... so she gets first dibs on the bedroom. She'll let him have uh, her phone. So bidding commences. David bids £99,000 and Tracy's like, oh, I bid £100,000. Yeah, um, and um, I think Steve's like, why are you going up in thousands? Go up in 500. And she's like, no, babe, you've got to let him know we're serious. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, <laughs> Abby is over at the bistro visiting Debbie. Um, and she can't get this whole Ray murdering thing out of her head because at this point she believes that uh, Debbie has done away with old Mr Crosby mm-hmm. and and Debbie says that um, I nearly handed my in, myself in last night honestly it's, it's 
difficult for oh, me too. Oh, it's doing me head in. Yeah. So, bidding war. They're, at this point, they're now at £115,000. Tracy bids more. So does David. Before long, David has reached his max limit. Yeah, because he... Yeah, he's good. Because Audrey lets him know exactly how much extra she can... He, yeah, he's actually it. properly set himself a limit. Yeah. But she knows he can't go over. Whereas Steve has set Tracy a limit. And she's like, screw that. I'm yeah, just going to keep bidding until I've got it. Which is very, very much in character well, There's no her. way, honestly, that David... David must have realised there's no way he, can, he could win. No. No, Tracy was always going to get the, you know... And Nick's like, I can give you a £1,000 more. So he's like, okay, great, and puts that in. Yeah, but then Tracy just like... Goes anyway, boop, higher. Oh, no, does... Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Steve's Steve's banned Tracy from bidding anymore, but she does anyway. Three minutes to go. David realises that he honestly cannot go anymore. I mean, why couldn't they just, like, bid a pound or something, shall we? You can only bid in increments of £500. Oh, okay. Uh, David can't go any higher, slams the laptop closed, he's given up. Tracy then, though, sees the bid go up another grand. So we have a mystery bidder. Who could it be, everybody? She thinks it's David, obviously. Um, and so she has been outbid. Steve says, right, you're not going any higher, and switches off Amy's phone hotspot before Tracy can get the chance to bid again. Yeah, so, so that's both of why them, both of them stopped bidding. Yeah, both of them thought that the other one has beat them. So Tracy goes out into the street, confronts David, and they both realise that neither of them won. They're both like, hang on a minute, you, you've got the house. No, I haven't. You've got the house. Who's got the house? Uh-oh. Debbie walks past. She's got no idea no, who she did lies. it. She doesn't. She doesn't. She's like, I don't know. She, she says she doesn't. Does she? Well, Does she? I don't think she Gail... did know. I don't want to. I oh, just I... said. What? Oh, I can't remember. But Debbie anyway. Supplied... Debbie has supplied the key. Oh, yeah, okay. Even though they, the person who's won does not need the key. Who could it be? Who is the winner? Who did we say was the winner? Who did everybody on the internet seemingly say would be the winner? It's Gail. She's, uh, she's got the fastest twist. inheritance ever known. I really. thought you were going to say she's got the fastest internet. <laughs> she has, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's got the internet, she's, she's got, got the got cash. She's got Sky. Yeah. What else do you need? She's got the fastest finger in the in the West. She's click and she's got it. She's bought the house. No, she she her, her dad's been you know dead less than a week and already she's got all his money. Um, yeah, this um Andrew guy, who's the partner of um of Ted, Ted. is obviously super happy for her to take his. Yeah. Assets. <laughs> um, no, no, I think I think that makes sense. I, I would I would believe that. And and I don't know actually. To be fair, does Gail actually need to have the money sitting in a bank account to be I able think to bid? Said, I, would... I think that um, David said something to Nick about. Are you sure you can give me that because I need to transfer it. Oh, a certain amount. Yeah, of time. I mean, like for example, that we we've put an offer in on this house um, across the road, but we don't actually up the have. Road. Yeah, up the road, but we haven't. Um, got the money for it yet because we're it's going to be have to wait for this yeah but this is an auction this is different this is a completely different that the the auction's happening because it's got sinkhole yeah this is why auctions happen on houses normally because they're two risky properties to and they can't be mortgaged because when you have a mortgage i'm sure plenty of people know this but in case you don't know you are kind of going into business with the bank to buy a house together. Because if you screw up and you can't pay your mortgage, the house, the, the bank is, needs to be able to take the house off you and sell it and get their money back themselves. Right. So they don't want to invest money into a property that's damaged that would then be risk for them mm. to recoup their losses. Exactly. So you can't get a mortgage on that house. With a sinkhole. Fair enough. Um, 
Anyway, I, I don't think things like time scales for boring paperwork things we really need to no, think about in Coronation there's Street. There's a lot of I things mean, that don't make sense in Coronation it, Street. This is just it, we just put it in pile. the same category of people emigrating yeah. with, with you know, half an hour's notice and Johnny and Jenny just waltzing into the pub when they decide that they want to buy it. It's fine. And Gail has now got the house. She's moved in. She's started unpacking already. And then we get a bit of nastiness between Gail and David, which I didn't particularly enjoy. Um, she I, wants I him. thought David was David is um, David's a little bit of a git and he's he's a unpleasant person, but he's not completely devoid of self interest or cunning and manipulation, and he seemed to chuck it all out the window. Yeah, he because he refuses to apologise for being a nice little scrot, doesn't he? Yeah. and then she said he says that you can jog on. She says you can jog off then. Uh, and, and that's the end of that. Meanwhile, Ray is not happy to hear that the house is sold for less than he paid for it. He's See, on I the don't phone think to that it was less, but I obviously got my figures He's not wrong. happy about something. He's moaning. No, no, you're right. He did, he did say that, but I, I, I don't, I don't yeah, really know. It doesn't matter. Um, anyway, Debbie's like, doesn't matter. Nothing we could have done. You just need to sit tight. Before long, you'll be sunning yourself in Turkey. Hooray. Miles is there as well with with Debbie and he tells her that Ray's passport is going to be ready tomorrow and David uh, Debbie says he's not going to Turkey he's going to jail here's the massive flaw twist in Debbie's plan what getting him an actual passport no, which is that... what she seems to have done involving miles involving miles in too too much of the information about what she was up to mm. And getting Ray a real passport. Yeah, I, I do, again, I just think that yeah, if anyone wants to get a dodgy passport on Coronation Street, very easy. Oh to yeah, do. I'm not saying about whether it was easy or difficult. I'm just saying she didn't need to. She could have just told Ray, "I'm getting you a passport, mm. and I'm getting you some nice matching luggage yeah. as I well." Did... Ted Baker. Oh, there's a really nice bee um themed set from Jules at the moment yes. if anybody's in the market for buying luggage. I, d- I don't think I wrote down what uh, Ray's uh, new name was that he got in his passport. I told you today. to write it down. Is it, is it, is it Robinson me. or something? Yes, it was something so, Robinson. Something. I, I, th- I, I would have liked it if they'd have just given him the same fake name as Phelan and had Mark that been Frost. a bit of running joke. Alan Frost. Alan not, Frost. Not, Mark Frost, oh, okay. actually, because that would have been a bit too close to the boat. Yeah, but also it would have been a bit too close to the fact that they were both shoved in a freezer. So, yeah, he's, he's got his oh. own name. Oh, yeah, Alan Frost. Um, it, yeah, I think anyway. it would be really funny if there's just a shared pseudonym from, for all the villains. Yeah. <laughs> so, the, the, before we move on to splitting these two stories up then, um, it was just uh, it was a really good time on Monday's episode. And it, it felt to me very much like one of these ep- themed episodes. Whereas, you, you know, you get on Coronation Street, especially on the DVD box sets, like, oh, this is the episode where, for example, <laughs> yeah. just recently, this is the episode where Jack's on the roof. This is the episode where, um, you know, they, they all go off to Blackpool. This is the episode where whatever strange situation happens. And, yeah, yeah. and this felt like the years episode, down the line. Yeah, yeah. This is the one where they have a bidding war. Yeah. And yes, it had a few other stories on there, but everything was so centred around this bidding war and it was all kind of tightly packed into this one episode. Um, yeah, I just, I just thought it's... Think it it's was gonna refreshing. Go down yeah. It wasn't... It hasn't been done before on Corrie, or if it has, it hasn't been done for a while. And um, the good choice of characters, I mean, a pretty high stakes thing... Um, even though we kind of guessed the outcome, I don't know if everybody did. It would have been more fun if you didn't. Yeah. Also, I like. Liked... That's the thing. I mean, I, I, I think I think some of the previews had said 
there's going to be a mystery bidder. And I kind of wish that they hadn't said that. Yeah, and the other thing is, as well, that the outcome was very satisfying, even if you saw it coming, because Gail deserves the house more than anybody else. Yeah, and she was an idiot Gail as well when when, uh, she was there with sort of... Telling David to sling his hook. Yeah, she she, she was, had a bit of I'm a homeowner, Gail. Yeah, is this the turning point? The thing is, we've said that about Gail so many times. Like, is she going to? I think she. I think she. At the end of this story, she still managed to get one over on David, and we'll talk about that a bit more later. But I think that's a very promising development. Yeah, yeah. So the reason, the reason that she didn't have the house originally, it was. It was something related to Lewis, I think. Lewis and, took all of her money. And yeah, and then and Audrey gave some money to David, I think is right, which is why he became the owner of the house. I can't remember. It was. It all felt a little bit... It's all very bit, convoluted. Yeah. But it, you know what? It, and it also, felt to me like it should be Gail's house. I've, I have I kind of enjoyed the dynamic of David being the homeowner and Gail being his kind of living cleaner almost. Lodger, a, yeah. and, a, and a lodger. So, so what he's says goes and it's going to be great now to have that role reversal I hope yeah me too I hope so as well uh, and, and I think to be honest maybe he should move out of his mum's house there is such a brilliant family unit and, and in many many ways I don't want to split David and Gail up the more scenes they have together the better apart from apart from this this week where I did think that the, the nastiness got a bit too much but, it um, became illogical and that's why it felt wrong yeah yeah but um no, I I think in real life he should move out, but for for the for plot and purposes. You know, comedy purposes, of keep keep, the keep them together, together and, yeah. and and get get Gail back in the uh, in the owner's seat again. And in case anybody wondered, why didn't Gail just phone up David and Audrey and Nick and say, "Don't bid because I'm going to bid." Don't forget that the the networks were down apparently, and that's yes. why she couldn't get hold of them, even though their mobile phone hotspots were. Don't ask any more questions. Yeah, <laughs> I think that was the what they the reason that they said something like that. And this is only um, you know, a couple of months after that massive po- the power cut that they had at Christmas as well. Like, I know it's, it's post apocalyptic like, in Weatherfield at it's the like moment. The bad luck they have with the ring roads going to other. Yeah, places. Yeah. What's going to happen to the tram? Just before stop? we move back onto the Ray thing, I thought that the twist. Again, we kind of this. No, but the, I'm not going to say this is what we saw coming, but we really hoped was coming that Ray was that Debbie was double crossing Ray, because I think up until this point we didn't know that, did we? That she was going to, um, that she was going to. Oh, I can't remember. Report him to the. I don't think that we did. Um, so the the moment at the end of Monday's episode where she was like, "He's going to jail," I thought, "Yeah, Debbie." Again, um, it's it's a very handy redemption for this character who has been a bit of a villain for the past couple of months but I love Sue Devaney so much I'm just happy that they're giving her this you know this chance to stay on the show and be a bit of a better character although will she survive the freezer again a very illogical plan that she's she's put out here I I don't we don't know the details of her plan I think the less that we know the better because I don't think it makes sense well I assume I assume that she's she's getting all these papers signed by Ray and as soon as she gets these so I'm thinking I'm thinking so Ray was arrested at the end of today's episode spoiler alert and I was a bit confused at the time wondering how do the police no to rescue him but did she arrest she, him not rescue uh, him arrest him yeah sorry had had debbie already tipped them off or something we at don't this know point? yet 
We don't yet know yet, but I mean, think if you think about this in with any form of logic, you've got Debbie who has been um, in uh, had knowledge of all of the things that Ray has done. Mm. She's in business with him and is therefore, I would imagine, legally culpable for any misdeeds that he's done because she didn't come forward to the police. Mm. I don't think there's a paper that exists in the world that you can get somebody to sign that gives you their business within the second that his, you have signed it with no uh, legal consequences for you if they've been found to do anything wrong because that would just mm. cause so many problems. It doesn't matter. I'm sure all will be revealed next and week. And also, like, once she must know, once she, once Ray was arrested, he'd sing like a canary and try to bury her by yeah. accusing her of doing stuff. Yeah, she she really shouldn't trust and him. And there's two she? issues as well. There's the, there's the sexual assault stuff mm-hmm. and the blackmail. And then there's all of the legal things with the, the bribes and stuff. Yeah. And and I think that they've all just been lumped into one thing, but actually no, because the business side of things, Debbie's involved in, whether she knows about it or not. Mm. And the the sexual assault thing is his own personal issue. Yeah. So so it really, feels like it's just going to feel swept under the carpet. It will be swept end. under the carpet, I think. Um, but yeah, this is why I said don't think too hard about it. Just imagine there's a magic bit of paper that you can just get somebody to sign that says you didn't do nothing. Mm. Okay, let's let's agree to that then. So I'll I'll let you carry on with the synopsizing for the Ray stuff on Wednesday and Friday then, and I'll take the the Platt stuff for for Wednesday. Um, Kevin was an absolute dickhead on Wednesday, um, and showed his true colours, which I was quite pleased about because I've been saying for ages that he's a grumpy bastard who people give too much, um, what's the word, leeway to. Because he's a legacy character. Um, the first thing that he did that annoyed me was on Wednesday saying that noticing that Abby, Abby was upset and saying... She says it's her time of the month, and he's like, "Oh, you wouldn't, you'd moan at me if I said that to you." Like, yes, Kevin, I would. <laughs> anyway, um, he's she goes off to see Debbie, and the reason that she's anxious is because she knows. Um, she knows that Debbie has killed Ray, or she thinks she knows that Ray is dead because of Debbie. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she's like, "We should tell Kevin what's going on." And Debbie's like, "No." We should keep it quiet because she obviously knows Kevin more than Abby does because he cannot handle being told this at all. Mick shows up. So this is gangster Mick who um, we saw chucking Ray out of a van the other day. He's also the, the gangster that Todd was involved in. He turns up again. He's looking for Ray. He's like, he, he says to Kevin, David and Abby about, oh, we need something to sort out. We need to sort something out with him. Oh, very menacing. Um, so Abby's worried about Debbie's safety in Kevin because as far as this as far as Mick knows he gets told that now Debbie's in charge of yeah. Rose affairs so now Mick's going to be on the lookout for Debbie and so Abby's worried about her and Kevin's like oh she can look after herself just fine yeah Abby thinks that she owes Debbie though after um, she rescued her from one her would think drugging that, experience a few weeks ago one would think that Kevin would feel that he owed Debbie as well for saving his girlfriend from because he knows that, yeah. well, I can't remember, but he's also the fact that he sh- she's your sister as well. Abby tells Kevin 
that Debbie sort of saved her when Ray drugged her. So there you go. Um, and he's like, oh, I don't care anyway. She didn't even stick around for the ambulance. And then Abby's like, she couldn't because she mur- she was busy murdering Ray. <laughs> and so, um, so Kevin decides to confront Debbie in the bistro. And this was like one of the big problems with this, uh, these episodes on Wednesday is that they were not really written. I don't think they were written very well and they weren't consistent with characters and the characters weren't really acting very logically. They were sort of working towards the where the plot needed them to go. So Kevin confronts Debbie and says, I know that you murdered Ray. She says, oh, I didn't do it. Oh, it was self-defence. She's a doing pride, a really good she? performance. And she says, he says, oh, you need to go to the police about this. And if you don't, I will. And she's begging him not to. He has no sympathy and he kind of lectures her, but in a really kind of, like removed kind of uh like theoretical way like you might lecture somebody for like having the wrong opinion about um i don't know some something like really minor you know what i mean like like having a having a political disagreement about brexit like lecturing her that she's got the wrong opinion not not like the kind of passion like he kind of like seems just really disappointed and and think, saying that she's a bad person because she's murdered somebody, not taking into consideration any of the circumstances or what kind of a person Ray is. And you would think that Kevin would be the sort of person who'd be quite vengeful. Oh, yeah. You know well, that he's, he's, he's punched people before. He's been, he's been to prison for punching John Stoke. So I don't see how he can sit opposite Debbie and lecture her like a nanny lecturing a, a child... Everyone's a hypocrite on Corey. I mean, we were just saying the same thing about Billy last week, were we? I know, but there's there's a difference between being a hypocrite, which which everybody is to a certain extent, and just being inconsistent with with the character's personality. And I think this is what that was, because also she has said that she saved Abby's life, and who knows what Ray would have done to Abby if you know Debbie hadn't inverted commas murdered Ray. Mm. So anyway, he just lectures her a bit. And he says, okay, I'll keep quiet for Abby's sake. Then he goes back to Abby and says, I think Debbie's lying about murdering because because of these reasons. And this was kind of clever because he says, oh, she's still talking about him in the present tense. And she was very careful to wait for me to tell her what I thought I knew before she told me the circumstances. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty clever. It is. I think it's almost too clever for Kevin to have that figured that out, That is far too actually. clever for Kevin, but I'll <laughs> give them a pass. What I won't give them a pass for was the fact that he never went, gosh, I wonder why she would lie about that. He just says, something's up, and I've got to find out what it is. He has absolutely no idea. He can't even hazard a guess. He's that stupid and intellectually unbothered by having an imagination. <laughs> so he's like, yeah. Uh, I mean, you would think... If you had a suspicion, wouldn't you immediately try to work out why? Probably and it not. also doesn't make any sense why he didn't confront her at the time and say, I think you're lying. Why are you lying to me? I'm just going to say, I thought that was stupid. Um, Abby, no, Debbie tries to go off in the... goes No, Abby, Abby does go off in the car and Kevin gets in the car to follow her and Abby stops him. And he says, um, don't you think it's a bit fishy that... The body's not been found. And Abby says, leave it alone. Leave, don't follow her. You, you can't help. Which, again, why is Abby stopping Kevin from from going? Literally, it's just to, just to 
for plot convenience mm. purposes. Debbie's gone to see Ray and he tells him that Kevin thinks he's dead. Then she says, Mick's looking for you. And he says, it's probably about that £10,000 uh, I owe £10,000. £100,000. £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, £100, says I want you to draw up paperwork this is the other thing this is the grand plan that hinges on her being able to provide paperwork for Ray to sign that absolves her of any legal ramifications gives her all of his businesses and manages to somehow make him take all the blame for all the wrongdoing Mm. and she's like can you put that together for me tomorrow please Miles (laughs) and he's like no problem that shouldn't be an issue at all this is a very standard piece of paper work actually (laughs) I can just download a form off the internet and just get him to sign it Um, and uh, he says when am I going to get what I'm owed? And she says, tomorrow, as soon as Ray's got what's coming to him. Miles goes and sees Ray. And this oh, was this, another bit that oh, was really this, stupid. This could have been done differently and better. This was just... Oh, this yeah, felt I like... like this. I, I really don't normally single out scriptwriters. There were two different scriptwriters that, that wrote these scripts. And I just think it felt like there was a lack of experience. I don't know what... I know that one of them's worked on a few scripts and the other, I can't remember what the other one has done. But I just felt, it just felt very naively written and written for, to get the characters from plot point A to plot point B without thinking about how actually this would work. You can't just bulldoze your way through a scene without making it believable. So Miles goes to see Ray He's got these forms already. It's not even the next day. He says, uh, Ray's, Ray's like, Miles, you know what? We've had some good times together, haven't we? All that crime that we did. When I'm in Turkey, you should come for a drink. And Miles says, listen, mate, I don't think I can, uh, I can go on with this charade anymore. You and I are such good friends that I'm going to tell you what Debbie's planning. Does that make any sense? No, no not really. Because Miles has been characterised as a person who is very much out for himself, a very dispassionate kind of businessman who's interested yeah, number in, one. number one, minimising his legal risks, okay? Now, getting himself involved further in this mess is not the best move. Ray and Miles have never been depicted as being, like, super busy mates. No, Miles, to me, has just been kind of, you know, the, the no guy in the suit sitting at the side of the room while... Well, Ray and Debbie have their argument. And no matter what happens, Ray's intentions are to go to Turkey. Mm. Does Does Miles really want to go to Turkey for a drink with Ray that much? <laughs> Honestly. Honestly, that he's going to jeopardise everything that, that and, and risk it all going wrong? I would have believed it more if it had turned out that he was... In it you all know, along. Yeah, if he if was he in it all along. If he had been plotting and, and, against Debbie all along, this would have made sense and I probably that would have been quite a good it. twist there but, but it just yeah the way it seemed like he just changed his mind it's like, oh yeah we're it friends, took aren't two we? sentences for Ray to convince Miles why was Miles so on the fence about this in the first place mm. he's already done all the bloody paperwork 
what paperwork has he got to do now? It's probably a whole other batch of it. He's a glutton for punishment. <laughs> yeah, isn't he? He's a workaholic. He must be. So that was just one of the things that I had problems with on on Wednesday's episodes. There's another really bad character bit that I thought was... From a different story. From a different story. We'll get to that later. But on Friday. Now, Kevin and, and Abby are packing Invisible Jack off for a camping trip for school. <laughs> Jack, the, 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 they just shouldn't mention Jack. I know. It's a shame that he can't go and, you know, live with Auntie Pam for a bit, maybe. Perhaps, yeah. Be- or, or, or or Bill. Who go anywhere. We don't know whether he's still alive or not. But the, the amount that Jack is being mentioned and the number of reasons that they're having to come up with well, for why they the can't show thing. him on screen. This is the same thing when they sometimes get obsessed with making excuses for things. Like when they kept going on about where Todd was after we knew that um, Bruno, Bruno had been, had been sacked. sacked. They kept bringing him up. And the same with Chris Fountain. Uh, when he was sat, so you know, talking about Tommy, and Tommy. It was, it's like you don't need to mention it. You really, really don't. People would just assume that they're just not in it at the moment. It's okay. We understand. Yeah. Um, and you only draw attention to it. Mm. The other thing is, where's silly, Jack? Oh, he's always stuck in his room. He's Come on, on his Jack. Xbox. <laughs> I've got him a PlayStation Five now. He won't get off it. <laughs> wish he'd never. Wish he'd never had that leg off. Then he'd, <laughs> maybe he'd be getting his arse in gear a bit quicker if he had two feet. I've, I've, he's been playing Cyberpunk 2077 this whole time and he's trying to find out how to change his hairstyle. <laughs> That's a joke. If you, can't really. you don't understand I don't, I don't get that reference. So, the other thing I want to say about this as well is a camping trip in February um, when there's a storm. I know that they didn't know there would be a storm going on, but um, there's the difference between camping and masochism. And <laughs> what, what school sends... Children, yeah, in and Jack half is, term. Jack still is in primary school, isn't he? So it's not like, the, come on, lads, let's toughen you up to get your Duke of Edinburgh's or anything. Yeah, I genuinely don't think that the campgrounds are open this time of year. You'd have to be camping somewhere really hardcore. To be fair, to be fair, actually, two years ago, we did put up, a, in January or maybe February, but it was no later than that, we did put up a load of tents on the field at our school because we were learning about Ernest Shackleton and Antarctica. So we put up tents and we pretended we were Ernest Shackleton writing there. So maybe they were doing something like You didn't go to like sleep this. in them, though, We didn't did stay you? there, no, they just And went... it was to demonstrate how bloody cold it was. <laughs> not, not to sort of enjoy And this is the balmy south coast of England as yeah, well. Yeah, this is the... sunny Southampton. <laughs> um... This was silly, but obviously the entire point of it was to supply Kevin with a nice, help, helpful bag of camping supply equipment, which presumably includes a um, cold weather clothing yeah. that they can well, that, use yeah, for the well, later scenes. And also so that nobody goes, but where's Jack? When, um, oh, actually, no, Ab- Jack could have been with Abby that evening, couldn't he? I don't understand this, was, because presumably yeah. Kevin's now got, look, what. We're, this is going to be we're jumping ahead a bit here Kevin's going to be locked in with Debbie where's Jack what does Jack think's happened to Kevin and why has he still gone on a camping trip I don't him? know because we didn't see Jack actually leaving it's not I like was... Jack's like oh well dad's not here I guess I'll go without him <laughs> Just jump in the car. Because well, I think that Jack went off to school in the morning, got on the coach and went away oh, to wherever. Oh, I think wherever. you're right. I think that Kevin think that, said he was going to okay, join him yeah, later. Kev, Kevin says, and I can't remember where in the episode it was, he's like, oh, I'm going to be a parent helper on this trip. That's just gonna, okay. Just going to rock There's up. So I haven't got no... a DBS. Yeah, I've been in prison. Don't worry about that. I was going to say, is he had a CRB check? Is it called something different? Oh, well, there's a, there's a I do, really do not think that he would pass the checks. No. <laughs> There must be some schools where literally no parents can help. 
Yeah, and, and probably I would imagine that Kevin's one of those parents that you don't really want helping out on your school no, trips. No, I know. Like, oh, not Kevin Webster. Yeah, <laughs> just shouting at all the girls and telling them they're being pathetic because yeah. they're cold in February in a field. <laughs> yeah, this was, this was... Okay, let's just put that to one side. Kevin's stressing out about um, what's going on. He didn't know whether to believe Abby, whether to believe Debbie, or what. About what? About this whole murder thing. Oh, yeah, because Abby's like, she definitely did murder. Yeah. And he's like, I don't think she did because she because I've been watching uh I've been watching uh Columbo and I think I know the clues for when somebody's lying. And he's also worried about Faye because he's saying, Look, if Ray is dead, how on earth is Faye gonna be able to prove that her side of the story is true? Because Faye Faye and Gary had their little court things today, didn't they? Didn't all off that. all off screen. Yeah. I don't I think this is a bit of a weird objection because surely if Ray's dead, I don't know that there would be no is it what was that i think he's hoping that you know that ray's Ray going to be there confess. yeah and he's going to be he's going to have to um you know submit to imran's hardcore <laughs> lawyering yeah. and accusations and, and like up, jeff yeah. he would just crumble on the stand and if he's dead then he can't do that can he what so, a mess hang on a minute yeah i know but F- Faye, kevin's Sort of link to Faye is literally like she lives on the same street and Abby likes Faye. He well, also any... Sally is kind of Faye's looker after a guardian. At the I just moment, find it kind of unbelievable that a sort of grumpy middle aged man like Kevin, who doesn't seem to have any empathy for anyone else whatsoever, his main objection to Debbie killing Ray has now become, but what about justice for Faye? You know, I don't <laughs> buy it. I'm sorry. Um, Anyway, he's like, oh, it's a mess. Miles and Debbie talk about the final plans and she, she's she got to give him 30 grand. And he's like, oh, where's the money then? She says, I've transferred it already. My plan's going to be fine. She, he checks his phone. He's Nothing like, yes. could go wrong. Brilliant. It's all going great. Abby goes into the bistro and the place is a mess. Yes, we, we didn't say that at the beginning of the episode. I was confused there about was a that. Bit, I feel the like very there beginning was a bit of the episode. Stuff in the very episode. beginning of the episode, they got some workmen... Um, doing some building stuff at the front of the bistro. They were, like, hammering the front up. And it, it turns out that it was raided in the middle of the night, but we didn't get to see any of raided it. Raided what? Shut up. <laughs> raided with a car. It was rammed. I think so. And and it turns out that it was Mick, but I, I don't think they made that clear enough. No, or it really I wasn't, wasn't paying enough attention enough. at the beginning of the episode. But, yeah, Abby comes in and, and she, she says, says it, it was Mick. it was Mick what done it. And she says, Kevin's struggling and, he, and you need to do something, otherwise he's going to go to the police. Then we see, we hear from um, Faye, she's been released, released on bail, but Gary's been kept on remand. I, this is another, don't, uh, don't say anything, but the actor who we're talking about is, isn't in this episode, so let's just talk about them, because they had Faye coming back from her thing, and then Sally and Tim are there saying, oh, Faye was so upset that she's run straight upstairs. Yeah. I can't believe that, that a character avoids getting sent to jail, and we don't even get to see the episode where it happened. And I didn't been, get to see them in the episode. Been, she hasn't... No, she's been released on bail. She's it's pending trial. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, so Debbie, she's not been sent down. Debbie's like, oh, guess what? I'm gonna pay for the best lawyer money can buy for Faye, and I'm use raise money for it. And Kevin's Kevin's suspicious still, and he says, if she's broke, where's all this money coming from? Can't you work out that perhaps she like nicked it out of Ray's wallet after she killed him? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Where do you think she got it from? She's stolen it off of Ray's dead body. It's obvious. That's not a suspicious reason to think that she hasn't killed him. No. So, 
Kev tells Abby, oh, I don't know what's going on, about Debbie. They keep arguing about it. And then he's like, do you know what? Screw this. I'm going into the woods with Jack. So there we go. That explains it. Abby tells Debbie she's worried he's gone to the police and she's worried about these dodgy deals. And then she's she's like distracted. And then a builder comes up and goes, I'm on there. No, he does it. He's got a different accent, he? Does doesn't do he? he suppresses voice. his yeah. thick, Mancunian accent. But as soon as I heard him, as soon as I heard him speak, I was like, that's Ray. Yeah. Um, so he... I think by by this point in the episode, and I, and I kind of had hyped myself up for tonight's episode a bit too much because I had a trailer and you everything. You kept telling me things that I didn't want to know. By this point in the episode, it's like, this isn't going the way that I wanted it to be. And oh, look, here comes Ray. Just pretend... and, and I think in other circumstances, that could have been quite a fun reveal. But it it kind of felt like it was inevitable that Ray was going to turn up there today. Well, I did, I, you, t- you kept telling me things that I didn't want to know. And I think it would have been interesting to have heard my reaction if I hadn't mm. known that at the yeah, end of I, the episode, Ray was going to lock Kevin and and Debbie in the see, freezer. See, I didn't know. I didn't know how Kevin and Debbie were going to get locked into the freezer. I knew that they were going to be trapped in there. And I kind of guessed, well, it's probably Ray, but I didn't know for sure. Oh, okay. But then when he turned up, it's like, yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, I just and didn't, also... didn't quite get the, oh my gosh, sort of reaction that, that they probably wanted because you told me about this and then by the time ray reveals himself i think it's like halfway through the episode yeah at least. so you're thinking i'm thinking to myself well this freezer thing is going to get resolved really quickly then but that's not what happens no so so ray's like haha here's the paperwork she reads over them he, and he and she's like this is all legit here's your passport and tickets what is going on so why why is she like fine with him being there anyway he's like well, no she's not she's saying you gotta watch out and he's like don't worry nobody saw me here but i don't he's get very very how is he confident that nobody recognizes these... expert disguise there so he signed these papers i presume he's just gonna take them back and rip them up after he does whatever he's gonna do to her oh yeah we i, th- I thought we saw him rip them up or maybe okay i'm imagining i don't know um i i still find the whole concept of signing something and being able to rip it up yeah. And, like, the fact you've written something on a bit of paper means anything whatsoever. But, okay, we all have to, we all have to like, ag- collectively agree that this means something significant, <laughs> I guess. So, um, he's like, should we have a drink? And he's all relaxed. And then he says, I know you set me up. And she's like, oh, no, this is bad news for me. And then he just chucks her in the, the sex freezer, which has not been converted to now, a, a sex fridge. No, it's not a sex fridge. Well, hopefully not. Otherwise, the story's going to go down it a barrier. The sex freezer uh, turned into an incest fridge. Yeah. So this is the sex freezer that Robert and Michelle got thrown into that, or, or got trapped in that one time, didn't they? Because when they were, I mean, it was only like a couple of years ago, wasn't it? When Michelle was getting a bit frisky and decides to seduce Robert in the freezer, and then they get trapped in there. Yes, um, and it was an actual freezer. Yeah, because I think it was um, Ryan goes into the kitchen, realizes that the door's open. And just pushes it to trapping them in there. And we've had so many discussions. We had so many discussions about you wouldn't, you would never be able to be trapped in a freezer because there's that no, you have to have a a, a release release thing. Button or whatever. And Ray, so this isn't a freezer. This is a fridge. It is now a fridge. I, I think once people realised what Michelle and Robert were doing in there, the whole thing was kind of condemned and firebombed and yeah. you know raised to the ground, then rebuilt up again. And they thought we don't need a big freezer. Let's turn it into a fridge or something. Yeah. 
I, I don't know. Put, it um, looked exactly the same, but it was a different set. Apparently, I've learned. And they had, they had, uh, there, there, there was a handle on the inside and the outside. Yes, but he right. I know. Oh, I'm getting it? to it. So he says, "Guess what? Miles double crossed you. Ha ha ha! I'm gonna leave you in here for a few days. That should finish you off." And then he's le- he's about to leave, uh, leave her in there, and then Kev pops up with his little dib dib dob rucksack on like he's like he he reminded me of um i don't know why but the little boy in up little yeah. scout like he's off to it on his trip <laughs> with, Wax his, him. with his badges all down his bomber jacket arm yeah and he's got the frying pan badge right in the middle <laughs> he hits him with a frying pan and knocks it him was, unconscious it was all a little bit scooby-doo really i thought this was kevin kind of exciting i thought this was exciting he, the, the he whacks th- him on the head and then and then kevin goes inside oh debbie i'll rescue you <laughs> and then ray's like you know that you can't just knock somebody unconscious in real life for like hours at a time don't you you've just bonked me on the head now and back up again and like guess what i'm gonna trap you in the freezer fridge i mean and he closes the door on them but before that can i just say the other thing that i didn't like about this and again it was a script thing is when when um debbie's there on the floor and ray's crowing at her and she's like oh ray you'll never get away with this and he might as well just you know get out his villainy yeah. 101 book and go hang on a minute i think there's a, a, a response i'm supposed to give to this one um I already have. <laughs> yeah, it was very panto. It like you're so supposed to go. Panto. He's behind you. It really you know, was. Yeah. It really. Re- yeah. And then yeah, Kevin there's... comes in going Shh, to the audience. Or there really are. If I, if I was in charge of coronation, if, in any script at all, actually, I would ban completely ban certain phrases from ever being. That uttered. one is. That one gets my goat. That you'll yeah. never get away with this. I already have. That's that. That gets one used of my number several one. times a year. It's awful. It's too cliched now. Um, what There's about just no, what about no just a plain old? That's what you think, or shut up and die, or something <laughs> like that. A bit more, bit more direct. Yeah. So anyway, they're trapped in, and then he whacks the um, handle off the off the front as well. I said it would be funny if the door just swung open at this yeah, point. Oh yeah. There's no, there's <laughs> there's no, no closing mechanism inside of it. I didn't think that one. <laughs> So anyway, the handle's off on the front and the back. I don't know whether that the front bit will become important later when people try to rescue them. Like, we can't open the door. We'll just have to leave you in there. Um, <laughs> so so he says, guess what? Nobody's coming till next week. Oh, yeah, that was all very hand... There's so much about this. Actually, no, he was... just leaves them. And then Ke- Kevin says, don't worry, we'll just get Wait. saved by someone. And she's like, oh, no, Kevin, I've told people not to come and do anything in the bistro for like a week. It was all incredibly coincidental. I know, but very, you have to. Very yeah, contrived. You have to, I know. But Mick, but you have to. Vic ran the bistro. They had, nobody was going to go in there. Kevin turns up just at the right moment. It's I, almost like just, it would have been it more wasn't convenient. Clever enough. If this was actually COVID in Coronation Street, and they were like, "Kevin, no one's coming here. Restaurants are closed till like <laughs> April at least. We're going to be in here for months." <laughs> also, I don't know why I've ordered all this fresh seafood we should probably eat it before it goes off um so that's a bit of an issue isn't it ray tells miles that he needs to go he, that he gets they're in the car together about to make their getaway and he says oh if you got everything and he says yes except your father's prized watch which i've left in the bed set which is probably going to be a clue that you were there I'll tell you what watches they're the achilles heel of yeah, cory villains at the moment yeah, they are, aren't they? They? rick's Maybe... watch ray's watch I guess I guess it's about time that men were kind of um, mocked for their vanity and uh, fashion sense after decades yeah. of being women's a woman's downfall. 
So um, it's his dad's watch. We assume it's a Rolex. Uh, Miles tells him he can buy one at the at the uh, airport if he really wants to be. No, no, he has to get there. He goes in to pick it up. The police arrive. They go, another coincidence. Well, that's what I said earlier. They're probably I... watching to see if he would turn up. Let's be, let's be fair. Because it was obviously very quickly after um, he arrived. So they probably were staking it out. <sighs> We still don't know. We still don't know why they're there. No, we don't know why they're there, and that's what I was saying earlier. Like, had Debbie already set the wheels in motion? Because if she if she was like, well, as soon as we do our little exchange of papers, I'm going to have to uh, report him to the police pretty quickly if if I'm going to be double crossing him. But then she was caught off guard by him bringing the papers over. And there's no signal in the fridge. uh, No, (laughs) because Shona's had a go at it with a shovel. So I don't know. Yeah, when the police turned up at Ray's flat, I was like, really? That's a that's a bit of a bummer that he went to get that watch, wasn't it? What what would have happened if he hadn't gone back to get that watch? It, it, again, I'm just going to say that perhaps this contrived. will be revealed that why this happened and it's going to be something to do with the stakeout. Yeah. But anyway... But um, he seems so keen. He, he was saying, oh, nobody saw me. You know, you'd he, have thought when, when Ray comes dressed as his, you know, yeah. his super disguise... Oh, yeah, they probably would have seen him coming out. It, yeah, he, oh, he, his bed set. he he was very <laughs> convinced that nobody was there to what I He had I a face know. mask on, I couldn't recognise him. Well why didn't he put his face mask on when he was leaving? When he went in there to get his his watch and the police came in and went, Ray Crosby, you're under arrest, he should have gone, It's not me. It's not Ray. It's not me, Ray, it's someone else. Can't you see I've got my face mask on? I just look like Ray. Uh, it's me, Alan Frost. So they arrest him on suspicion of bribery and the rest. Kevin and Debbie are having a little argument in I the fridge. I love how bribery is what they said. It's, like, yeah. it's like, oh, yeah, there's a lot more going on here than bribery. But yeah. if that's what you want, that's the one that we wasn't it like, stick. this kind of reminds me about the fact that Al Capone only went down for tax evasion. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so um, they're arguing. He learns everything that's really happened. Kevin does. Kevin. Yeah, yeah. He, he finds out fridge. about the whole, well, yeah, everything. She says, listen... I didn't really kill Ray. Just in case you haven't realised <laughs> at this point. I lied, I lied. He's like, yeah, I know. I know, because you were talking about him in the present tense. Um, it, honestly, if I was Kevin, I would have said this to Debbie, because I would be really proud of myself for working this out. <laughs> I wouldn't shut up about this for years if I was him. It's probably the only time he's ever been smart in his life. Abby's with Sally. She can't get hold of Kevin on the phone. She's like, oh, well, he's probably just in the woods. Yeah. And he's sulking. Ray gets an interview in the police for the police. <laughs> it sound like we got a, we got a PC job. Uh, do you do you want it? <laughs> <laughs> While you're here, um, we we want we need about to let that Craig go. He's got a useless. Yeah. <laughs> we got an opening. <laughs> <laughs> we got an opening for a useless copper. Um, he says no, I didn't do any of it. It was all Debbie. Then then they uh, Debbie and uh, Kevin. The final bit we see. They've to, stopped arguing now. Stopped arguing. Bit too cold for that. And can I just say another thing? If Kevin was planning on camping in the north of England in February, I would hazard a guess to say that the fridge is warmer. <laughs> yeah. I'm not so even joking. I literally think the fridge is warmer because it's not fr- it's not at freezing temperature in there and out- outside is freezing at the moment. Yeah. So, so I was confused throughout a lot of this because I was thinking, no, it is a freezer. Because it was a freezer two years ago. No, it's a fridge. And they, they kept saying fridge. And I was going, no, it's not a fridge, it's a freezer. But I, I'm, yeah, now fridges I are about it's a fridge. I've just four... turned the dial up a little bit and yeah. made it into a fridge. Fridges are about four degrees. Yeah. 
Um, they wonder, Debbie makes a point of saying, how long can a person survive in an airtight fridge? Meanwhile, the fan's kicking on. I don't know where she think what she thinks the fan is doing. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it is. Airtight. It's not an airtight fridge, but I think Coronation Street needs us to believe that it is an airtight fridge well, because no- if it isn't, they literally will just be cold for a long time and then they'll be rescued. And we know it's cold because it's blue. Yes, it's blue. <laughs> the colour of coldness. Yes, a um, fridge is really blue inside. I don't know. Uh. Oh, I guess they the light goes extra. off when you when you close it. I don't think they're anything, are they? No. I, Apart I, from that one bit towards the end of the episode where it went inexplicably pink, I honestly thought there was something wrong with the colour on the TV when that happened. What was um, that supposed to be representing? No, I, I, I don't didn't get know. it. I, I it don't know whether it was like in infrared night mode. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that was just them find the thermostat and it's like, oh, it's getting warm now. How, do we, up how do we show that it's warm? We make it pink. <laughs> no. Balmy. So, so. Balmy or balmy or both. I don't know. One or the I other. I thought you meant balmy. <laughs> so, um, I I googled uh, how long can a person survive? In I a did fridge. you. That's handy. There's no real answer because I don't think that they let people <laughs> in just <laughs> to see how long it takes them to die. But I'm sure that's a David Blaine stunt somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> or a <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it didn't go. They didn't go to rat down well in the UK, did it? Um. So, uh, the 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 key word here is airtight. Now, I think you could survive for a long time in a fridge. I think I read somebody saying you can live for two weeks. Well, in you're a not going to go hungry. You're not gonna. You're gonna get dehydrated with there's no liquid in there. Um, but you can probably just drink the the milk out of the mozzarella tubs, <laughs> nice and salty. Yeah. Um. I. I. I think that if it's airtight though, Kevin's, I think... Kevin's like, I'm not having any of this muck. It's surrounded <laughs> by all this five star food, and he's just like, well, get me some fish and chips. Where's the, the cans first, of beer? Or first wine? time I ever wish that they kept marmite in a fridge. <laughs> yeah, he would be. He's probably a fussy, right fussy get in it. Oh yes, he doesn't like bistro food. Oh no, can you ma- Oh man, anyway, he just wants a kebab. So it's all those years being eaten um, beans on toast for Sally's uh, favorite recipe. <laughs> Beans on toast, golden drummers and crispy pancakes is Kevin's oh, yeah. staple That's diet. They don't get any of that in the They've probably got frozen fridge, peas. So. Oh, no, they don't. It's not a freezer. <laughs> no, it's not a freezer. <laughs> Be consistent, people. They've got a nice um, basket of oranges, I saw. Yeah. Anyway. Probably fake, air- like the one on Kevin's the dining room table. <laughs> an airtight fridge. It's pretty big. I have no... I literally have no idea. There's probably some kind of... Uh, equation you can do but really at the end of the day you know that they will last approximately five minutes longer than it's going to take them to get rescued uh, yeah i mean they'll be like right on the edge of death and then they'll get rescued and then they'll be like if you'd stayed in there for another five minutes you would have died i've got absolutely no worries in the slightest about their health from this they're not going to die they're not going to be killed off they're not they going get, to, um, you know, spike. yeah, might get, you know, frozen fingers. Maybe, maybe lose a finger would be quite fun. But again, it's not a freezer, it's a fridge. Um, no, they're going to be fine, aren't cold. they? Yeah, they'll be fine. And that's the, that's, that's the problem with this. I didn't feel really any peril. And I will say and what? I, I hadn't, I'd, I'd avoided the, 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 the trailer for this episode. Um, and, and obviously it is still ongoing. Monday's episode is going to be the further adventures of Kevin and Debbie in the fridge. Um, but the, it, it, 
I don't know if everything this... I kind of the picture I'd seen like two pictures of them in the fridge together and and everything that I saw today was like oh the the, the pictures pretty much told me what was going to happen here I yeah I was just like mm, about it. Uh, well, I, I want to know from the people that didn't know this was going to happen. Was this exciting to you? Because I'd hyped myself so much. They'd made the fact that they'd made a trailer for today's episode and Mondays, of course, makes me think that it was supposed to be a really big deal, and maybe it still will be next week. I, I want to say something, but I, I'm afraid it is a bit of a spoiler. No, okay. don't say a bit of a spoiler. Well, I know what you're going to say. Okay, then I won't. No, you say it then. So what do you want to talk about now if I'm not allowed to say what I was going to say? No, you can say it if you want. No, no okay, no, we won't say it, but I, we're, we're not worried about uh, the long-term prospects but I just of think Devin, and, Devin and Kebby <laughs> in the fridge. They're going to be fine. They're not going to do an Anne Malone with them, are they? Maybe I can say something at the end of the episode then. You can please, say something at the end of the episode. I think this is a stupid thing to do. Yeah, okay. Um, so yeah, that, that freezer stuff, I'm hoping for better on Monday. Uh, and I think it was also the fact that it was a Matt Hilton episode made me think, oh, at least, you know, there are going to be some exciting graphics and funny camera Why angles Why didn't we get an that, orange but... crate eye view? <laughs> yeah, but I, there's nothing. I, I just if, assume... if I hadn't seen Hilton's name on the credits at the beginning, I wouldn't have known. I just assume there's going to be some fun, like, sibling, uh, what's the word, bonding conversations it... and there might be a nice two-hander or something there's going to be some oh, really I, I think i think they're both really good actors they're, they've got really seem to have a really good um charisma with each other mm. that you they set up conflict really well between they're the believable characters. brother and sister yeah for characters think... that have had you know 30 years yeah, away from each really, other really great um so i think this could the scenes that to follow will be there will be some interesting scenes, I hope, between the two. I hope so. I really, really hope to. so. But it's more, it's more that than going, gosh, they better get rescued on time. Yeah. I mean, how are they going to get rescued? What do we think? Someone's going to hear them going, help me, help me, help me. But there's no reason for anyone to go into, into the bistro, is there? That's, that's the conundrum. Is somebody just going to go in there? Or are they? I, I don't know. They're, I just think, I just think it's like, They've got food. Kevin's got his bag. It's got. It's full of stuff. It doesn't even matter if they have to wait a week. They'll be able to get out. Yeah, that, uh, I suppose in, in my head it's like I don't know how they're going to be rescued, but I'm so you know one hundred percent convinced that they will be. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. But what's, this, but what's the maybe point a, is, is yeah. that this is mild peril at at worst, isn't it? Yeah, it is mild. If it had been a if freezer... If it had been a freezer, it would have been less than mild. Yeah, but if it had been a freezer, I'd be a bit more worried about it, going, oh, God, you wouldn't actually be able to survive that. Whereas this, I'm going, how is the fridge supposed to kill you? <laughs> what is a bit more interesting, I suppose, was Ray's arrest. As contrived as it was, I wasn't seeing I wasn't seeing it coming. I, mean, I suppose it's a nice delaying tactic for the storyline. Um, and I do, I, um... I do wonder what's going to happen there, because he's just saying, oh, it was all, all Debbie's fault. Yeah. Can um, I just say one thing about this? Is that I think that many people, and I know for a, a fact this is the case for some of our, um, some of the people that watch Corey who are in our Facebook group, everybody was watching this and they weren't going, God, I hope De- um, Debbie and Kevin don't die. They were like, God, I hope they don't kill off Ray. He's brilliant. Yeah, I know. Like, obviously, nobody's behind him for the sex stuff. This being being a rapist and a and a molester, no, but that's like it really bothers me that they even did that with him because he's such a fascinating character and he's really charismatic. 
It feels and like fun to watch. I mean, the thing is, when he went away into the bed set and the murder thing, I said, "Oh, give it a few weeks, and Ray will come back and he'll have his last hurrah, like yeah. villains do." I mean, literally on classic Coronation Street on ITV Three at the moment, we're seeing that with Don. Don Brennan's been away for a few months um, after after being arrested for. Um, uh, setting fire to Mike's factory, and and now he's in his final week. Well, he just he just died. Spoiler alert from nineteen ninety seven in today's episode, and we got to see four or five absolutely fantastic, I would say, episodes of classic Coronation Street, which is Don's uh, last hurrah, where he ends up driving into the viaduct, blowing up in Mike's car. Really, really brilliant stuff. But that that's what they often do with Corey villains. They send them away for a bit, and then they finish them off in a week so I'm kind of predicting that you know this time next week it could be game over for Ray really I'm thinking now um what's gonna happen is I think Ray's had a reprieve I think he's gonna be accused of doing stuff he'll be like actually I think you're fine if you look at this paperwork I didn't do anything and then maybe he'll get sent down maybe he won't but I think he's going to disappear for a good long time and maybe come back as a villain later on. Yeah, that's what, that's what you said before, isn't it? That he was yeah. going to take a more extended leave I think of absence. That, I think he might go to prison for, for blackmail or, what is it, bribery. I just don't think it will be in prison for very long. I don't mm. think we send people to prison for bribery for, like, years and years in this country. I think he'll be in for a few months. Maybe he'll come out at Christmas. I really want him to have a massive rampage and I want them to wait until they can do it properly with, with like stunts and big, a big kind of event TV kind of thing. Mm. He's such a brilliant villain. I, he's I, way more interesting than Gary, and I really like he's Gary. He's definitely more interesting than Gary. And I I'm think universally him... people would agree that he's more interesting than Gary, because I know some people like are like me, and they're like, yeah, Gar- Gary's brilliant. And a lot of people are like, oh, you've ruined Gary, I used to like him better before. Mm. And some people like you are like, well, he's just not scary or... Yeah. Interesting. I, I do think Ray's a good a, a good villain, but I think, and I was reflecting on this after I kind of downplayed Jeff's significance in his character profile the other week, but um, I, I think that I've just been spoilt by feeling, and it's going to take a long time for me to stop saying to myself, yeah, but he's no Pat Phelan. Yeah, and that's I not honestly... really fair on the other villains that no, come I after him. But I really, honestly, I think... Ray's got so much potential to be like that. I really genuinely do. I think um, the actor who's, is Mark Frost yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is charismatic and, and Ray has got that nasty streak but he's also got that kind of joie de vivre of like really enjoying screwing people over and that is so much fun to watch. Whether or not you like the person or not I think that they need to give him a bit more depth. Don't forget to, to, that you know, Pat Phelan anyway the... started off as a relatively minor yeah. sex pest character who started off with, you know, like double crossing people in business deals, then sort of became like, like a rapist and then turned into a serial killer. And he almost, you can follow the same trajectory with this character and it is possible that he could come back and start... I don't think that Ray Crosby is as chilling or intimidating as Pat Phelan was when he when he could switch when he was when he okay I do agree with that when he would go dead eyed he was like he is terrifying absolutely terrifying and Ray is not I also don't think Ray would be as likely to get his hands dirty. Yeah, very true. He wouldn't go. And, and also, he wouldn't go climbing up in the uh, and dunking two dead bodies into blocks of cement, would he? In yeah. the middle of a storm at night. And I also don't think that uh, Ray would be like, "But what about my soul?" 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if we're talking bo- plain old body count, I think Ray's Ray's got potential. Reckon, I mean, he's he's had a go at killing Debbie and, and Kevin in a fridge. Yeah, he could, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Pat, I mean, Pat had the concrete twins and then yeah. and uh Ray's got the the ice lolly twins. I mean if you think about it <laughs> popsicle twins. He's he's shown that he doesn't care if somebody dies or not. That that's true. And I don't think we'd um really seen that side of Ray before. Yeah. We'd seen him gag his um uh, accusers but never go this far. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I don't know. I I, I don't think that they're going to kill him off, but I honestly would not be surprised if, if this time get... next week the character is done. If he doesn't get killed off, he's not done. Mm. Right. He's, um... like, he's not going to prison for 20 years for slipping so many 20 grand. No, 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 no. To, to build true. a hotel where it it's depends much whether needed. all his other crimes suddenly, you know, cascade out. Or... Um, so let, let's go back to the David and Gail stuff. I suppose because... he's still up for Faye, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so lovely gay dead. Gail is organising Ted's funeral um, on Wednesday. So she, she's got her new house. Um, she doesn't seem particularly keen to invite David yeah. because of this spat that's going on let's between just, them. Let's just reorientate ourselves. So we're back with the plats. David has just lost the, um, the lost house to, to Gail, who's saying, you beg forgiveness or you're not coming in. And he says no. Yeah. Um, uh, he he's very he's hurt that he's been gazumped by his own mum, and when Audrey tries to invite him to come round to talk earlier, he's really not interested. Um, so Gail talks to Audrey in the house and says, "Look, I just want this to all go back to how things used to be, except for just I'm in mean, owning it. That'd be lovely." And Audrey says, "Well, maybe you should be the one that says sorry." Um, and Gail's not very keen to do that either. So Audrey and David have another chat later in Speed Doll. She tries to get him to... This, she was just trying to get anybody to say sorry <laughs> on Wednesday episode so that they could, you know, draw a line under Well, she it. says, basically, you're the one that's losing out here. Yeah, he's, you're he's living, living on, on the, the dog estate. and estate. Yeah, you don't want to live there. Neither does Shona, neither do the children. I know, for his family's sake, he really needs to just swallow his pride and say sorry to his mum, doesn't he? I mean, this is the other thing about... About Coronation Street that I was kind of hinting at earlier, and I actually went onto my face onto Google, and I was like, "What is the working class?" <laughs> because really, at the moment, like in society at the moment, lines are really blurred. And I guess one of the things that I took away from what I learned was that pretty much, if you identify yourself as working class, you kind of are, because there's no real set definition anymore. And my point is, I think I um I saw somebody on uh, the Facebook group saying, I thought that Coronation Street was supposed to be about common working class people. And that's what it's always been billed as. It's certainly how it started. But now we're at a point where you're watching characters who own their own business, mm. which is really a disqualifier, I would say, of being a working class person. Because you're, sell- you're supposed to be selling your labour and not profiting from that, just certainly selling your time. That's sort of the definition traditionally of working class. Lots of them own their own businesses. David's got like, what did he say? He's got like tens of thousands of pounds in the bank now. Um, Steve and Tracy have £130,000 to buy a house outright with no mortgage. You've got David and and Shona refusing to live on a, on a council estate because they think they're too good for it. Mm. Working class people do live on council estates. Yeah. There's a bit of a weird... Coronation Street has always been slightly like this, where there's definitely always has been kind of an implied lower, lower class, because that's what Hilda Ogden was when she came in. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, she was just impressed that they had two taps in the kitchen sink when yeah. they arrived at number 13. Yeah. I just find it really interesting because I, I do think that, um, like, I, I also feel the same way about it sometimes because I feel sometimes like I'm working class and sometimes like I'm middle class. I, de- I really am not working class, but no. I don't own my own business. No. And I come from very working class roots, like, yeah. you know, shipbuilders and miners and stuff. Um, but, I, you know, you couldn't describe me as that anymore, but it feels uncomfortable sometimes to to describe yourself as middle class, but also you feel like you're kind of appropriating a, an existence that doesn't belong to you if you say you're working class. Mm. But yeah, my point is that Coronation Street is just kind of lost a bit. I, I don't like how snobby they get about estates. And I know that I'm really snobby about estates as well. But I just think that, because um, I, I, I lived on one when I was a child and I would never want to go back to one because I found it really scary. Yeah. But I'm just, I just think thinking, that who is the most working class family on Coronation Street Gem- at the moment? Gemma Probably and Gemma and Chesney, aren't they? But even them, they were having thousands of pounds thrown at them this time last year for their fresh goes deal. It's really but difficult. I, suppose, you know, I don't think can. the thing is, I don't think it's difficult to create a believable story about working class people. No. But Coronation Street makes it seem like it's impossible. Yeah. I mean, definitely back in the early days where Ken was writing his newspaper articles about all the beer swilling morons that he lives yeah. alongside. He had a point there in that they, he was definitely... He was more educated. And I think that yeah. that was one of the big key key things that's changed in in how do you define what working class is and, and also in society in general. And we are much more educated than we used to be. Mm. But the, I remember when Tony Blair was saying, oh, I want 40% of the population to have a degree or something. And I was, a, I was at the age where I was get, going to university at the time. And I remember thinking... You're devaluing what a degree means. If everyone's got one, yeah. how is it more valuable? And we've gone up to a stage where everybody's got a degree and it doesn't actually help you to get mm. a job anymore. Mm. But um, that's a completely different subject. But I just thought I'd bring this up because um, it, is, it is really f- interesting how estates and people who live on estates are portrayed in Coronation Street as being sort of villainous, kind of very untrustworthy um criminal kind of types nobody who lives on a state is kind of portrayed as a sympathetic person yeah. it's where the bad people come i wonder what like a, a new, brand new soap opera if they set one on an estate like that well there's been lots of te- television shows that are set on estates and do concentrate on people like that but uh, but coronation street i think tries to pretend that's what it's about and it isn't no, no. it's about it's about um, what middle class people who who are quite often incredibly wealthy, actually by average standards. Mm. Most people don't have money in the bank. Most people do not have quite savings. nicely dressed and made up and uh, well, and, I mean and that's, that's that's a different thing. But they all, for some reason, live in terraced houses. Yeah. That that like that and and well beneath beneath their means for uh, apart from when you're talking about eating every meal in in yeah, a cafe, cafe or a restaurant go to the bistro every other night yeah like i think i think that um nick and leanne's well leanne's flat now is the only kind of believable living space and the other side of the road i guess yeah it's amazing that's a nice yeah i um, just and I, I don't like obviously i know that you can have a really big house and the make ma- like a terraced houses i mean most of them are bigger than our house so i'm not trying to put them down but what i am saying is that if you've got 130 grand in the bank if you're tracy you would be looking for somewhere else to live yeah so yeah. um 
I've lost where we are now. Oh, oh, then they had that bizarre dog food scene. Yeah, this was where, a mistake. Um, this David, was Wednesday's episode again. David decides silly. that, yes, he will go around to apologise to Gail, with Shona there as his wingman. And Shona suggests, why don't you eat some dog food to prove to Gail how sorry you are? Yes, and I'm going to say... Shona's like, I've got dog food in my pocket because they don't sell dog food on the estate. Because I'm crazy, me. And David only eats this type of dog food. David okay, the dog. fine, whatever. And then she says, eat this dog food to prove how sorry you are. She's got brain damage and she says silly things. She said this before and it's supposed to be funny. That's fine. David and Gail don't have brain damage, so why do they say, do yes, they this seems like it? a logical idea. Thank you, Shona. It is a good job you are here as the mediator. I did find the actual moment where he's there with the dog food on his fork. I thought he did a good no, job. No, he didn't acting. have a fork. He used his hands. Oh, yeah, he did. He, did, he didn't scooped he? up a big... I'm, so I'm confusing it with the Red Dwarf scene where handful. Lister does actually eat out of the tin. He scoops up this handful and he's there, and, and the expressions that he was pulling on his face I thought was brilliant. And I thought, oh, this is, this is a stupid situation but he's making the best out of it. Is he going to eat it? Jack T. Shepard was game for this scene. And he, it's right up there and I was thinking, yeah, okay, is this not actually dog food? Have they, have they you know, made some fake dog food apples and things are going to eat it? And then, and then he doesn't. And he's like, oh, okay, that's over. And Gail says, oh, I'm not going to see you eat dog food. Come inside. But it, yeah, and... Yeah, Gail goes, wait, don't worry about at, it. At this point, I was thinking, this, this story's just a bit silly now. It wasn't. It didn't make sense. Uh, I guess it was. I guess it was funny. And they, people they, 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 she invites them in for a cuddle, and and they have they kind of do apologise <laughs> to each other at the end of the episode. They're friends again, um, and he says, "Oh, by the way, you've got all that money sitting around in your bank account. You can go and uh, fix that sinkhole, then, can't you? And do some DIY jobs around the house." No, no, so she's yeah. already. She tells him to spend his money on the sinkhole because he's like, "One good thing that's come out of this is now I'm loaded." She, I don't think she's actually got the right to tell him to fix that sinkhole. No. Although, he, I mean, he, the, he is living there rent-free. And, and she does say they this. Have she's this point, bought the house with the sinkhole. The sinkhole is now her property. It's her responsibility. But at the same time, if he wants to live there, I think that's the kind of the, the price of entry, isn't it? They yeah. have, they've entered no legal agreement. There's no tenancy uh, agreement that no. they've signed. She can just change her mind and say, if you're not paying for the sinkhole, you can't move in. So do you think that the sinkhole is just going to be quietly filled in yep. off screen? David's not going to have any money. The sinkhole's going to be almost as if it was never there. Yep. Never mentioned this the sinkhole again. This is going to be almost exactly like what happened when Norris bought Emily's house. Yeah. And it was like the exact same situation, except one different person's names is on the deeds. Mm. Um. So, yeah, that that was... This was fine. It I was, like the I just, fact I just this... didn't. I didn't really think that either Gail nor David were coming across as particularly likable. They weren't being reasonable. No, they they weren't. They, they I were... couldn't understand why David and... had decided that he was going to be petty about this because he literally was benefiting in no way whatsoever. But... And like I said before, David is a very manipulative person. He is certainly the kind of person he'd say sorry to your face and then laugh at you behind your back or treat you like crap. There was just got there was wanted. just not enough of the usual David sarcasm. Yeah, I mean David and Gail scenes are usually bright for yes, comedy gold snarkiness but then lots it of... just felt that they were being yeah petty. Yeah, there should have been lots of funny zingers. And, there weren't. And the other thing about it is I cannot really understand why Everybody is being so cruel and dismissive of Gail, whose father has just died. And she's talking about organising Ted's funeral. He's estranged, it's fine. But nobody cares, you know what I mean? Mm. Like, that really... I, I felt like that was... Um, 
it just didn't I don't get what because I don't think we're supposed to feel less of David because of it because David's like the golden child of the of Coronation Street as a show mm. I just think that, that I don't get why it was written in what purpose did it serve it didn't serve any purpose no and then, it, and then it petered out and didn't really appear at all on Friday, did it? I assume that so the funeral assume will that... take place at some point. Whether but, or not I, mean, everybody... it, it, I don't know it, why it would happen in, in Weatherfield. Yeah. I think Gail's got her money and that's and, and, and Ted's kind of fallen on his sword just so that David uh, so that Gail can buy number eight, really. He wasn't really doing anything then anyway. I don't I don't mind this I don't mind the story. I just thought that this was a pretty good example of what I was saying about Wednesday's episodes being weak but um, from a character perspective. Now, the storyline still hasn't finished, though, of course. It, there's still a lingering fact that Gail and George Shuttleworth are related, which hasn't gone anywhere yet, has it? No. They've, they've, they've teased us with the fact that there's some familial link there, but it's, it's gone you know, off the boil a little bit, and something is going to happen there. But I'm not really sure what yet. So uh, time will tell what that means for Gail's family tree. Um, let's let's talk Johnny Johnny Jailbird, which also this week I was thinking, oh, are they going to have Shane Ward in it? And then go on, bring back Shane Ward. He's got a single out next week. He wants a little bit of airtime. Come on, but they didn't. It, I'm glad. I'm kind of glad they didn't because at this point it would have become a kind of a stupid trope that Coronation Street Kill off hires people and then actors bring... to come back. We've had Jeff, we've had Rana. I know, I know, it would have been. But it was also the fact that it was a Matt Hilton episode on Friday. I was thinking if anyone is going to bring back Aidan Connor for some ghostly think... apparition, it's going to be Hilton. I don't think that they get to cast Demand. No, 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 I know, but I was, I was just saying if it, it had been written in that Aidan was going to make an oh, appearance, he's going to turn around. It's like, let's, yeah, let's make that a Matt one and they did there's still there's still possibly the potential on Monday because like I said this the the trailer for this current storyline includes some scenes from Monday's episode because after tonight's episode I thought I'm going to watch that trailer and see did they literally spoil the whole thing and then a few things from Monday's episode started happening as like pause I'm not going to watch that um yeah I was I was I, I was honestly 50 50 whether Shane was going to appear on there and like I said the fact that he has got a single out next week and he needs to get his, you know, his headlines. I don't know if that's gonna. Well, it's just have more people talking about him, wouldn't it? And okay. by the way, he's Look. got a single out next week. Well, it didn't happen. Tell me what did happen. Is it my turn? I thought it was your turn. Me, you, me, your turn. You're okay, well, I'll tell you what happened then, and you can listen. I shall. So, on Monday, Johnny has got a friend now. Yeah, he's got Joe. He's Don't got get Joe's attached. <laughs> um, he's he's nice, helping him. He? He's a nice guy. He's he he's in prison because he was obviously set up by somebody. He didn't do it. Of course. Of course. Um, Johnny's saying, where's all these cockroaches come from? I don't like them. They're very annoying. Then Johnny and Gary get told by a screw. That's lingo. Prison talk for guard. Get back in yourselves. We, There's we, been... we learned that when we went to Shrewsbury Prison last year. I think I knew year. that before. <laughs> think i might have heard of it i don't think they use the word screw either um there's been an incident oh no joe's been found dead in his incident that's prison code for suicide (laughs) um well we don't know if it's a suicide or not um i think we do it it wasn't a suicide i thought it was no oh no it wasn't was it johnny's upset because he thinks of aiden he thinks um i didn't see it coming again what no it wasn't it? it wasn't 
happened? It was an overdose. Um, accidental overdose. He's, he thinks about Aiden. He didn't see it coming. He gets very distraught. Um, Ryan's trying to fix the Rover's Wi-Fi. And Jenny's waiting for a call from Johnny. And the landlines are down. And so Maria's in the pub. And she gets a phone call from Gary. Because he uses a mobile phone. And Johnny only knows the landline, obviously. <laughs> so Maria tells Jen- Jenny that about Joe... And Jenny starts to worry because she knows that they were sort of friendly with each other and she thinks it's going to make his MS symptoms worse. And they need to appeal his sentence. And Maria says, don't worry about it. Gary will look after him. Because he's... He, I know he's not a, cry, a criminal. I know that he hasn't didn't actually bash Adam on the head or anything. But he, he's going to stay in that prison for as long as he needs to be in there. Yeah. Fizz is looking after the shop. <laughs> Nothing to worry about. Yeah, Fizz she's is really good. trustworthy. Yeah, trusty Fizz. Um... Johnny's seeing imaginary suicide investigators now, and the cameras are wonky. Um, and I... F- oh, I'll talk about it in a second. Um, Daisy is moaning about the fact there's no fit blokes around and says, no, no wonder you're sticking with Johnny. There's no, no, no other... Uh, no, no competition. And, and Jenny gets offended this time. This is the first time it seems like it's actually affected her how much uh, Daisy seems to be mean about him. Daisy apologises, says, I don't want to see you getting hurt. And Jenny says, I'm touched, but I actually think you should keep your, those opinions to yourself. Liked her being put in her place. She, she did, but then she kind of, there's, there's no follow-up from that later in the week, really, is there? Jenny no. and Daisy are busy mates again. So on Wednesday, Jenny's fretting and asks Carla to go, when she goes to visit Johnny, to complain about the horrible conditions he's being kept under with all these mice, cockroaches and suicide investigators. And she's very worried. Gary tells Johnny that nobody else has seen these cockroaches. I don't know wh- where they're coming from. Johnny's still upset about Joe and Gary's worried about how upset Johnny is. And then Johnny's left by himself and he sees something and he's like, that's not right. It can't be. That was, I quite liked the, the mystery. It's just this kind is of really staring really t- into the camera again. Oh, what's he seeing? This is really testing uh, the acting ability. Richard Hawley is doing really, a really um, good job this week. Meeting the challenge. I think he's doing fantastic. He's very twitchy. Carla goes to visit him. His hands are shaking. He looks rough as hell. He says, I don't think my meds are working. Or I can't really see, but I'm fine. <laughs> don't worry about me. And Carla doesn't believe him. And he starts to admit that maybe these mice and cockroaches aren't actually there. And sons. Am I going mad? Carla says, talk to a doctor. I'm not really, I uh, can't really give you medical advice. Although she is um, Coronation Street's leading expert on hallucinations. Yeah, And exactly. psychosis and things after her I'm little... I'm surprised she, she brings this up. incident. Yeah, that was okay. So, brought she, up. so he's, uh, he's like, no, I don't want to. And then he says, I saw Aiden, or the back of his head at least. And I don't want to trigger people, so be careful here if you're sensitive. We know that Johnny found Aiden dead. Yeah. I just wonder what oh, he actually gosh. saw. Yeah. That's oh, a very that's giving me chills. Sinister and Literally. horrible thought. I'm tingling. <laughs> Did I, he go in there and find? We don't know. I don't want to talk about the it too back much. Back of Aiden. We don't know. We don't know what happened. Oh, they I don't want to think really... about I know. That. I'm that's sorry to bring it up, but I think. Um, I think it's worth thinking yeah. about how distressed he is and what he, he doesn't want to say, what he saw. I, maybe I shouldn't have that. No, but just imagine, because he sees the back no, of his head and just imagine if his sensitive. hallucination, Aiden, turns around. No, 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 and yeah, he's... I know, I know. It's horrible because oh. this, is, this, is a real, this is a real situation that people have gone through, not entertainment. But I thought that they didn't belabor the point. They'd have had to have had Shane Ward come in and do his own makeup. No, no. 
So Je- Carla's like, I think you've got psychosis. And he's like, no, ah, don't, don't think so. I think it's a ghost. Ghost of cockroaches. <laughs> <laughs> um, he says, please do not tell Jenny about this. I will talk to the doctor, but please don't tell Jenny. So she goes and tells Roy. And this was, this is the final <laughs> complaint I've got about this episode. Which was you really, you, you did not like this, did you? Um, she goes to see Roy and he says, this reminds me of when you were going crazy and seeing things and you told me not to tell anybody and look how well that turned out. I definitely think you shouldn't tell Jenny. Yeah, lie your little heart out, Carla. He, he... And they make a point in the script of saying, what, Honourable Roy Cropper telling yeah. me to lie? Yeah, he literally says... Try and get out of the fact that this isn't at all in his character. I didn't buy this at all. I would have preferred... I would have... I might have put, I might have uh, bought it if he had acknowledged the fact that it was completely out of character for him and said, I have learned um, that sometimes when you tell the truth, it causes more problems. Because Roy has always been a character who, despite what terrible traumas and calamities it would cause... Yeah, and just the heartbreak. Like he's, stubbornly... he's, he's been brutally honest to like Hayley in the past and really upset her because that's... That's who he that's is. That's who he is. And he would never, I don't think, recommend lying about something. No. And I can't see how it benefits anybody to not tell Jenny what Johnny's going through, specifically when she asked her point blank to relay the information. Yeah. I thought that was really bad honestly i felt i felt like the script writers did not understand roy's personality or they thought they could bulldoze through through it because they had to get to the point where jenny doesn't know what's wrong with johnny they should have just, maybe they no, probably wouldn't have be... been the same but would, could they have just had her speaking to nina and nina could have said Keep it quiet. I, yeah. I mean, the Carla and Nina don't have that bond. I, I just wanted more Nina this week, to be honest. After last week's triumph with Asher and Nina, and this week cut dead, there's none of it. Uh, any excuse to get that story back in, I'd have said yes, please. <laughs> I just thought it was glaringly out of character, and it was the it uh, taken individually. Most of these things are kind of forgettable mistakes, or like you can brush them aside. But piled on top of one another. Wednesday's episode became a series of really bizarre choices yeah. that made me uncomfortable and um, angry because I th- felt that it wasn't a true representation of the characters. And I know that, Car- that Coronation Street um, sometimes focuses more on the plots than the characters, which I think <laughs> is to its detriment. So to see it being done so brazenly... With so many people in so many stories was very however possible. I felt a bit insulted, Mm. to be honest. But now I'll stop complaining. I think that's the end of Wednesday's complaints. There might be another one. What stories have we got left? I don't think there's much else to complain about on Wednesdays. I just that's it. So yeah, I was just going to say Friday. I mean, whatever Johnny's got, can I have some, please? Because he's seeing cats now. I know. Brilliant. <laughs> Look cute. There's a cat. There's another cat. Brilliant. Little ginger one. Yeah. Gary says, you need to ask for help. And we learn that he's off to the magistrates and we don't know if he's going to get bail. Spoiler alert, he doesn't get bail. We already learned this. No, we find out that he doesn't get bail because um, he still lied to the police about... He's still on remand for something else. Head. 
No, it was just the fact that he's... No, they said that he perverted the course of justice by saying, yeah, but it was me what done it. that's a case, then. You said he was on remand. That means you're waiting. I don't know prison talk. All you need to know is Gary's back Gary's in the still slammer. Is, yeah, because <laughs> Johnny Deeds... Oh, excuse me a little bit. That's horrible. Tell you what, I, I was also going to say what I thought... Um, could have happened because I'm still clinging on to this. I know it's not going to happen now. My theory I made on the predictions episode about Rob Donovan being there in prison. What if Johnny had been seeing somebody and it was the back of his head and then we t- turned around and we expected it to be ghost agent, but it was actually in the flesh Rob Donovan. He's like, oh, Johnny, I've been here all time. I thought I'd seen you. And then <laughs> You've yeah, been ignoring then, me this then, whole time. Yeah, and then that little... Um, that little story that I predicted in, at Christmas. Will come true. Come true. So you yeah. want Mark Bayliss to shave his head? Yeah. Why not? If he wants to get on Coronation Street, you've got to make some sacrifices. Yeah. Um, so he says... Uh, oh, John, Jenny tells Daisy that... Uh, oh, I didn't turn this into a sentence. It's just a load of words. She basically... Jenny, Daisy, you said that she was fishing at this point, wasn't she? She was just trying to get Jenny to say, oh, am I part of the family? And because um, Jenny says that Daisy feels like she's not really part of the family. So Jenny says, well, let's have dinner with Carla tonight, me, you and her, and you can get to know us better. And Daisy says she's going to cook. Yes. So Carla and Johnny are on the phone and he's mad at her for making him say to the prison about his condition... And now he's being referred to a psychiatrist. And he doesn't want to ma- worry J- Jenny. It's all a bit of a faff. And he says, I will tell her myself, Carla. Don't you tell her anything. Jenny goes to the factory to see Carla. She finds out that they've had this phone conversation. And she does not understand why Carla's getting to talk to him. And what he is, what they're talking about. Considering they only saw yesterday. Exactly. What's going on. She's trying to get it out of Carla. And Carla keeps saying, don't ask me Johnny will call you later. Johnny will call you later. Which is like a really scary thing to hear from somebody about your husband who you're worried about his health. Yeah. So she's like, why are you keeping secrets um, from me? You're horrible. No tea for you. <laughs> I like. I did like her delivery of that. Yeah. Basically, she's been uninvited to, to tea. So finally, she gets to talk to Johnny on the phone. He tells her about the hallucinations, seeing cats, rainbows, musical notes. I think he's got, what's it called? Synesthesia, where you can visualise Oh yeah. Um, certain, so like some people, like you say, what did you say to me you've got? Oh, like when I hear songs, I associate them with colours. Yes. And some people can do stuff like they can visualise in front of them, um, what's, uh, a calendar and they can move the calendar dates around and kind of look at it like it's a it's yeah. kind of an interactive computer thing does anyone else have that thing there's lots of different colors? things that you can like like associating colors with numbers mm. or or things like that um i but, think but what johnny was really notes... doing there is saying i really really want michael to make a cory emoji of me this weekend with all these with like musical cats notes and rainbows, hats, and musical rainbows notes. rats everything that i'm seeing there's an emoji of that michael can put over the top of a screenshot of me so the fact he's saying he I'll can do see it, Johnny, for you. cats, rainbows and musical notes, which I assume accompanying music, so you can kind of see the notes drifting through the air, which sounds really cool and trippy. I just wonder if he's turning, if he's considered that he might be merging into a live-action Disney film. Oh, maybe. Like, um, one of those, like, ones that had... Oh, like, like, maybe like Bedknobs and, and Broomsticks, <laughs> where you've got animation and real life. Yeah, who framed Roger Rabbit? Watch out for the Nazis. What? Bedknobs and broomsticks. I've not seen Bedknobs and broomsticks. That's ridiculous. 
think you'd have to sort that out. I don't like the look of it. I've seen it in front of the VHS. And it just I love it like because it's got, it's got British witches fighting the Nazis, which is like the most amazing really? concept for a movie. Um, and he sees Aiden, he says, and, and seeing him's kind of nice, so I guess he, it wasn't yeah, traumatic. Th- this, was, this was a kind of interesting mini twist that this went to because he'd been worrying about seeing all these things but when he starts to say I, I quite like seeing Aiden actually but I can't see his face it was like oh that's that's kind of sweet and and then this is I still they... think it's creepy that he can't see his face it reminds it's me it's really of, um... creepy it's like a horror yeah thing what if he it? turns around what if he turns yeah what yeah. What, what would he, he see like? it's like considering that he's seen insects I'm getting the chills again it's literally it's like yeah it's creepy anyway Jenny goes and tells Daisy uh, about the fact that Carla knew that he was seeing these hallucinations and not t- not telling her. And, and Daisy says, right, well, do you want me to go and punch Carla in the face for you? Because I will. And she kind of does this little petulant arm-crossing thing, which I thought Who was Who would of win in a fight between Daisy and Carla? I think I mean, back Daisy, in the day, Carla yeah. would, you know, wipe the floor Carla with her. Carla would, like, grab her so by sure her hair anymore. and beat her to death. But I think now Carla would just just cry and let her do it and go, I deserve this. I'm yeah. a bad person. So um, Jenny is distraught because there's nothing she can do. And Daisy's like, before this, Daisy was saying, right, I've bought all the food to cook the dinner for Carla. Is she allergic to anything? Yeah. Well, I hope not. Left it a bit late. Yeah. Um, then we get this guy who's been, there's a man that's been menacing. Um, Johnny. Johnny. He's like another renter thug, uh, Coronation Street, bog standard, boring villain who just is mean for no reason. He's just been uh, making fun of him and his um, imaginary friends. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Saying. And he says, he kind of like, um, scares Aiden away from Johnny, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, well, and, uh, Johnny's Johnny just gets, gets upset, saying, oh, I can't see Aiden anymore. I felt, oh, I feel so bad for Johnny. I, I honestly, I think that Richard Hawley is doing an amazing job with this. I kind of feel bad that, I don't, still the story it feels like a strange little side story with characters that don't really belong on Coronation Street. And I think the fact that Johnny has been such a minor player in Corrie for the past couple of years is is harming this storyline a little bit. Oh, no, I think it's good. And it almost feels like they're saying, well, we've got to show a bit of this, but we're not going to show too much because nobody's really interested in this, are they, right? It doesn't, it doesn't feel connected to what else is going on in the street to me at the moment. I think but I, I, I really are. I, I think that, yeah, he's, he's brilliant. He really, really is doing a good job. He's doing a job. really good job. I think it's, it's kind of not, it's not an issue storyline, but it certainly is highlighting the lack of mental health provision or medical care in prisons. Because I remember when we went on the Shrewsbury tour, uh, Shrewsbury prison tour, he, uh, the prison officer was talking about how much in demand... The, the doctors were because mm. they treat not just normal GP things but they also have to treat uh, people that are going through uh, withdrawals from yeah. drugs and alcohol and so they have to give out all of those things so basically like, everybody in the whole prison is queuing up outside the doctors first thing in the morning yeah. I can imagine there's not a lot of time for them and there's really not a lot they can do really um, without putting him in a dedicated facility it's kind of a bit worrying that he's just being allowed to wander around, seeing visions of things. Like, what if Nobody he's... seems to care. Like, there's a, we've seen a couple of guards just standing in the background, haven't we? Just, like, watching but, and not being I mean, I don't want to be... I, d- I, don't und- I don't know a lot about it, but I, I think that um, 
people who have abused drugs, I do think that they can have symptoms like this. I don't think this is probably anything new mm. that the prison guards haven't seen. And also, they probably get some people who are pretending uh, to have these symptoms to kind of get attention or to, to get special treatment. And they don't know who's telling the truth and who isn't. I mean, Johnny doesn't look like a particularly... No. He, he looks like he's he very looks ill. Like and he looks like he's properly ill and isn't getting him. the care that he really should be getting. And again, going on this Shrewsbury tour last year, we really did get a sense that the the screws care for now i'm gonna say this the guy that took us on the tour was a very um seems like a very compassionate and reasonable person he was saying stuff he's like, in it for the rehabilitation i'm not here to judge them they're here now because they've been found guilty and our job now yeah. is to kind of get through this together and he seemed like a really nice guy i don't know what he was actually like when he was a prison officer um, you know, he can portray himself however you like. But um, I, 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 he seemed like a really nice guy. And if I was in prison, I'd like him to be my prison officer. Yeah. But I don't imagine that they're all like that. And no. he even said this, that, that he had colleagues who were very vindictive. Because mm, you don't yeah. know why people... I mean, they know why people are in there. Yeah. Um, so Do you I would wh- imagine there's a sort of a, a spectrum of sympathy that some people just don't care. And also, don't forget, you must get fatigue. You must get, like compassion fatigue try if you were if you were like uh trying to sympathize and empathize with every single prisoner that was under your care and like feeling bad for them you'd be burned out mm. in a few years you wouldn't go and take it yeah that's true so do you i think the other thing the other kind of problem i got with this story is it it seems to be a lot of this week was just saying i can see things i can see things he was kind of very one note it felt a little bit like until that little tweak about I quite like seeing Ada which was sweet but the, all the drama was still going on away from the prison on the street wasn't it it's yeah. about Jenny not finding out and, and Carla not finding out so Johnny's like the least important thing almost in the story and I, and I don't know where the story's going to go is he going to get I don't is know he going to get worse I really don't I'm really worried about him because this is um, it feels like they're taking this MS seriously and I had my doubts as to whether they would do because um, they don't have a, a perfect track record for maintaining somebody's mm. medical problems when they he's, become inconvenient. He's still got a good few more months that he needs to be in there, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, it's very sad. I, I, it, it doesn't feel like a story. It feels like what's going on at, yeah, what's going on on the street related to him as a story is, is Daisy's dripping her poison no, and but, trying to get Jenny away. But Johnny's isn't. It's, a, it's it an is experience. A Let's no, look at because... What's, we now we've got this bully, haven't we? Yeah, I mean, and that set, so this was all a setup about Johnny what what he's seeing and how he feels about it, and now we've got this bully who's come in and he is. Um, is Johnny going to be like? Is he going to start to believe it more? Is he going to? Is he going to attack somebody? Is I just he think going he's to... going to attack this. There's going to be some kind of physical altercation with this bully where he's going to get enraged because. He wants to see Aiden, and this guy's stopping yeah. him from doing it. And um, there's that's. I just think that's where it's headed. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, but let, let's let's move on because I'm not particularly that fussed by the Jenny Carla Daisy side of things. Oh no, um, I did want to mention about the whole. Is there a spark between Ryan and Daisy? Because they had that scene where oh, she was yeah. saying, "No fit blokes here. What about you?" Um, so maybe keep an eye on that one. I kind of like. Alia and Ryan as a couple, but I I'm don't. not super invested in them. It's like they're they're fine, but I'm not. You know, I said before that I thought them. that they could end up in trouble together because 
that they, they've been a united front as a couple because they had a common enemy, which was uh, Jeff. And now that's been taken away. I genuinely don't know what they see in each other because there's a massive... There's I think there's a massive gap, isn't there? Yeah, and also, what are Ryan's favourite activities? Like DJing and drinking. Mm. I don't think, I, I can't believe that Alia and Ryan share similar tastes in music. If, I was, if I was to say, like, you know, if, so, if somebody who didn't watch Curry was to see a picture of Ryan and get, maybe watch a few scenes with him and then show a little bit of Alia on her own, a yeah. little bit of Daisy on her own, which of these characters do you think that this guy is going out with? Yeah, you wouldn't You'd probably Arlia. say Daisy. They probably could be quite a good match because they're both a little they're bit. They're both um, bimbos, aren't they? Yeah, basically. Airheads. Um, yeah, but I, I could see a story where he's kind of tempted over to her and she manipulates him. And I can see her sort of like of him. also thinking like, oh, he says he's a DJ and like him inviting her to his set and it's like in some crap yeah. pub at lunchtime. Or, or like her trying to make him... She, she, uh, she seems like a gold digger to me because of how oh, much yeah. she seems to be trying to get Jenny... You know, Definitely. trying to get stuff out of Jenny. So I think that she wouldn't last very long with Ryan because he hasn't got any gold to dig. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. I just Maybe I'm just desperately trying to find some kind of dimension to add to Daisy's character. Daisy's such who's a, still very a strangely slow-burn character, isn't she? You should dump Johnny. Johnny's no good for you. That's all I've got to say for the game this week. But I can cook some dinner. Um, right, side supplies. So this kind of was Monday and Friday, wasn't it? So Monday... Uh, Simon tells Leanne that Natasha is not coming back anytime soon. I think Makes we learned that last like week. Like he's killed her. And Nick wants to have that's true lunch at the bistro with Leanne, and so she she's a bit nervous about you know leaving the house and everything because she's been um, hermiting oh, it up in the flat for like, the last like few months. Like most of us, she's become slightly agoraphobic. Yeah. So she says, "Look, Simon, maybe we should go together." So they have this the lunch meet up, but um, Nick when Nick turns up. Sam's there as well, and it's a big like da 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 kind of moment. Well, it was for Leanne, but for I us, thought, it's just like, oh, it's Sam. I that's say nice. a, can I say a rude word? No. Well, like, I don't think it's to. that much of a rude word. It was like this was like a double date, double cock block because oh, they both brought their so children right. with them unexpectedly, yeah, <laughs> didn't they? It basically, was. <laughs> it's like neither of you can moan at the other one for bringing your kid because you both did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, the reason that Sam is there is because his school's having a deep clean. I didn't see, I didn't exactly hear why, but I'm assuming it's mumble, something mumble, COVID, COVID related. Yeah. Um, so it, it's just all it's just all a bit awkward there. Really, he could have said, Nick and "I'm Leanne, here because he, I didn't want to go camping." <laughs> <laughs> he, she, she's, she, he offers to give us some money to help her out of, of her oh, this dire me. financial straits, and she's saying, "No, no, everything's no, no. fine. I'm all right." I think this was a really important. Um, line this is one of those lines that i think sometimes i'm like oh they should have just had a line in here that say blah 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 this explains why leanne is not asking for help and also why nick hasn't given her any help i don't know why nick thinks that she's in a financially good situation or how she's paying her bills but at least he brought it up and he she rejected his offer Mm. and she pretended everything was fine so from that perspective now, Nick is kind of off the hook and this plot can continue with Leanne becoming even even more in desperate straits without it, with yeah. ha- us having to keep saying, why doesn't Nick just come and, and pay? And Simon doing his drug running to, to fund her because mm. he goes off at the end of Monday's episode to do another job for uh, Jacob. Um, but that's about as far as it goes there. We, we also have a, a, a nice little scene with Steve and Leanne yes. who 
obviously have got their dead baby in common. But well, this was the first time they'd seen each other for a while. Cause yeah, they, it was a bit of a sojourn. awkward meeting. And like, they kind of, yeah. You still grieving? Yeah, I'm still grieving yeah. too. How are you grieving? I'm going up a mountain. I've you got shin splints. Yeah, I've got, yeah. Oh, Gemma. It's my tip. What? Yeah, go on. You, Gemma has got... If you have shin splints, what you need Gemma to do is everybody. get yourself onto a step, put the put the heel of your foot onto the back of the step so your arch is in the... It's um, like the, the, the edge of the step is in the centre of your foot arch, okay? Now... Take your toes and wiggle them up and down as hard as you can as for about 30 seconds. Now, once you've done that, go into a crouch. So stick your bum backwards. Make sure your knees aren't going over your toes and repeat it for another 30 seconds. And then do that three times and then do the whole thing three times a day. I had shin splints that were so bad I thought that my the, the muscles on my legs were being ripped off. It felt like somebody had a knife and they were trying to pry the muscles of my legs off. But once I found this technique, you can kind of cure yourself of shin splints in a few days. It works. Health advice from Gemma, everybody. Friday, the story goes a bit odd, doesn't it? Leanne's found a feather. She, uh, I think it's blown in through the wind like that one in uh, Forrest Gump. But and she obviously, believes... as we know, that weather, in Weatherfield, feathers are incredibly rare since Jack Duckworth. Vacated. Yeah, exactly, exactly. There's not, there's not been a bird. And this this isn't a, pe- feather, a, 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 a pigeon feather either, was it? It was a nice little fluffy white one. And uh, she thinks it's been sent down from heaven. She thinks it's like a little angel's wing or something. And um, she thinks it's a message from Oliver saying, Chill, Mum, I'm fine up here. I'm all right. You, you have a nice night's sleep. So she does. And um, when Simon this leaves. This is like the first time this, she has been had peace. Yes. Mm-hmm. It was quite sweet seeing how happy she was, especially when we see her on the phone to this. Uh, well no well, let's get to it well yeah well, Simon leaves Leanne alone in the flat later and, we've, and it looks like she's up to something with the TV and I thought that I know she, what was, she going, was doing buying a juicer I thought that it was she had QVC and she was you know shopping away shopping away happy again or something but no it turns out that she's there's this telemedium called Crystal Moon who uh, saying you're right that feather is from your dead son Ollie well she and, phones and, in and he's fine she phones in to the show yes and Crystal Moon gives her an on-air consultation and says, Oliver's contacting you. You're right to have interpreted it as that. And um, if you want any more, um, want to know any more, feel free to phone me back and I will tell you what you want to hear. Yes. Basically. And so... Um, and and Leanne was like really you know, chuffed and happy. And, and it, it was horrible. It was because, you know, this... I I wonder whether this story is going to go down the route that we had not that long ago, actually, with Rosemary, hashtag bring back Rosemary, this should have been Rosemary, of yeah. of, of these kind of people are often um, not to be trusted and they're just after your money. And and the fact that she's saying, ring, ring back any time, yeah, five pounds a minute, please, yeah, yeah, it's fine, it's worth it to get this inner piece. So is it going to go down that route and she's wasting her money there, quite possibly? Um, but yeah, the, the fact that she was looking so happy... The, the happiest we've seen her in months. It was a bit heartbreaking, really. Um, so I'm kind of interested in how this is going. I can't see this going anywhere, but Leanne spends a lot of money on Crystal Moon, who <laughs> is than, not a real than psychic. Crystal Meth. <laughs> arguably. Who is not a real psychic, because in Coronation Street, psychics aren't real. Yes. Um, and they're, they're always Just like in, in many... Uh... Well, I mean, I, I, I'm going to say that I think that pe- some people genuinely believe that they have a psychic ability. 
I don't necessarily want to comment on whether I think that they're that's true or not. I don't think people like Crystal Moon are good people if they're charging money. I think Crystal Moon knows that she doesn't actually. Yeah. I think some also. I also think that some of these people trick themselves because it's a convenient lie to tell themselves that even if they're not telling the truth, they're bringing hope and comfort to grieving parents. Mm. And there's certainly an argument to be said about that, but I don't want to get into it's, it particularly. It's kind of tricking, isn't it? And what what was interesting as well, um, if you haven't been on... Um, you need to go and find Matt Hilton's Twitter account. Do you remember what it was called? What it is? I, I cannot remember, but it's not going to be that difficult to find. Jim is going to have a look at it for me. Because he put up on Twitter after tonight's episode... Um, a camera shot that they were going to use in today's episode that was definitely very, very Hilton-esque. It was going to be like merging Leanne and Crystal Moon, like two shots of them, to make it look like they were sat at the table together. And then the left hand of the scene, like the background was Leanne's flat, the right-hand side of the scene was done up. It was... I'm, I'm describing this really badly. It was too scenes that were spliced together and kind of blurred down the middle so it looked like they were having this conversation together at the table and and they they they're close to that in the episode weren't they because they when when the scene first started you get a close-up of leanne looking left and talking to someone you're like who's she talking to here and then you see the medium talking back to her looking right but you can see that she's in this wispy so it was um, on twitter yeah um uh, curtainy background, so she's somewhere else. But they were going to, they they reveal sh- that they were together they, to symbolise that yeah, I'm, she I'm, has I'm, a connection. I'm explaining to this. Her. I couldn't have explained this worse. I do apologise. So Matt Hilton's you, Twitter you, account yeah. is at quarter blue Matt. That's it, isn't it? So can you find this tweet, or has he been asked to delete to? it? <laughs> um, so shall I just read it out? Yeah. So he's he's put the picture on there. And he said, here is a shot that I loved but sadly ended up on the cutting room floor from tonight's episode of Corrie. I wanted to show just how important and personal this conversation felt to Leanne when she was speaking to the psychic on TV. We matched the lens size, camera height and distance to make the two tables appear as one and then matted the join in post. A great shot that added a strange sense of otherworldliness and foreboding to the scene. Maybe next time. Yeah, um, I, I, I think that would have been odd. Um... I almost think that that would have gone a little bit too far. I think it might have it might have implied a psychic connection mm. that the the show didn't want to to um, insinuate was occurring. I do know? get that about had... the the closeness of the two characters and everything, and Leanne seeing that you know look how much of a bond I feel with you. But, but maybe it's because it... it's it's a, a kind of a new story. It's come out of nowhere. It was a very very minor story in today's episode. It would have felt odd to have had that. I also think you could whilst have... at the same time you got your freezer drama going on. <laughs> I also think you could have achieved a similar effect in a different way, perhaps without, and also maybe it would have been a bit uh, just as spooky as to have her just in the room with Leanne, yeah. sitting at the opposite end of the table, going, "Leanne, listen," and then Leanne blinks and she's suddenly on the telly, and you realise that she's just been calling her. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you um do do you see? I think that was a really good concept, though. I I do. I I I, I think it. Like I said, I, think it I don't too... think it would have fit for a new story, for a C story of an episode. Um, anyway, uh, do, what what did you think about 
you know, Leanne today. Do you think that the, the, that her finding this feather and believing it's from Ollie is in character? I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure. Um, I and I can sign. I can kind of sympathise a bit with thinking. I mean, I've done stuff where I've gone. I know this isn't what is happening, but we've all got our little superstitions. Yeah, or we? like just even thinking. You know. Oliver lived in a world where feathers existed and the feathers are still here. So, you know, mm. this world is still got beauty and he would have enjoyed this. And I suppose it's also a little bit like that uh, red van scene, isn't it? Where yeah. she's looking out the window after he dies and sees the red, the red van drive off and she thinks that him. And, and even whilst he was on his deathbed, she was quite delusional about his state of health and the fact yeah. that he was going to get better again. Also, the thing is, once once you've decided that something which is relatively common like a feather is a symbol of a communication from a dead person you're going to see feathers everywhere because feathers are everywhere Mm. and it's going to feed into your belief that you're being communicated with in some manner i hope she doesn't go too far down the michelle route and go that that's ollie's feather i I just think that um nick gonna come around (laughs) and help out by doing the hoovering you know (laughs) i don't understand how come she's got money to talk to a psychic on tv but she can't afford an electricity meter to pay electricity bills. Whatever she's put the the this on, she can put well, the, the the electricity on it. Uh, yeah, I I mean she could have just like, you know, set up a new credit card just because she feels that she that she absolutely must contact this medium. I know, but you absolutely must pay your electricity bill. But <laughs> I think if you're Leanne, feeling some kind of connection to your your dead son is more important than just but this paying kind a, of yeah, I get it. Uh, but this kind of reminded me a little bit bill. of the of the money woes that never materialised from Daniel's dalliance with um, Lady Friend. Nicky. He was maxing out credit cards and borrowing money off Ken when he had no job. Mm. And that still hasn't been addressed and it's just kind of been brushed into the carpet and it's unfortunate because it could have been interesting. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I. It feels like another one of these self-inflicted problems that that kind of mirrors things that happen to people in real life, but actually not under the same kind of circumstances as Cory characters experience it. Kind of like um, Sean's fake homelessness, which was solved by him admitting he was homeless. Mm. And one thing I wanted to mention, which I think is really interesting, because I was looking looking about homelessness on the internet the other day, and I've forgotten what it's called. I think it's called... Invisible homelessness, or something. there's basically different categories of being homeless. And Coronation Street is full of a category of people who are actually homeless who couch surf, who don't have any fixed abode. Mm. And I think it's really, un- really weird that they never thought of doing a story about this because actually it, it's a form of homelessness that is very underappreciated and not really talked about or understood. Mm. There's being homeless and living on the streets. There's being homeless and living in a shelter, and then there's sort of living in someone else's house yeah. with no real rights and and kind of in a precarious situation where you you know you it's semi permanent you know yeah. it's it's a form of homelessness yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was way more it's just realistic. Too widespread in coronation. I know. I think, I think it would be it would be one of those things where if you drew attention to it, it would become slightly it would be obviously slightly ridiculous. Yeah. But Peter and Carla. Yeah. Both homeless. Yeah, yeah. Actually. Mm. 
Let's move on. Tyrone, his head's Alina's spin. Mm. This, this, <laughs> not much happened here, did it? No, I don't like this either. Do you, are you going to moan about this? Is this me reading this? I've lost track. I think this is you. I think I've I read it then. Okay, so um, Wednesday, Hope's been moaning to Fizz about Off missing screen. Alina. We haven't seen it, but we just have to believe it happened. Tyrone thinks Fizz is making too big of a deal about the fact that Alina's moved out. And she comes to the garage to give her the keys. And Tyrone says, oh, the girls are missing you. And she's touched. She says, oh, I had an interview today and I got rejected. And I'm really upset about it. And he says, why don't you go back to doing nails? And she looks really upset. And she, he doesn't get why until Fizz says, perhaps the fact that she was being trafficked as a slave and was forced to do yeah, nails. Maybe, maybe brought back a few bad memories for her, tie. So Fizz brings Alina home specifically for Tyrone to apologise to her. And she seems pretty cool about it. She's not holding a grudge. And he says, sorry about that for kind of tactless of me. And she says, oh, actually, I kind of like the idea of being a nail technician, but not a slave. I didn't realise that was an option. (laughs) So um, Fizz and Evelyn are um, making fun of uh, Tyrone being a kind of boring... um, predictable kind of a guy which seems like a setup for him to do something out of the ordinary like have an affair oh yeah well he did say that i can be spontaneous well there were a few you know warning signs here because they were saying oh you eat fry ups all the time so maybe heart attack incoming or um yeah you're you're so boring and predictable i'm gonna have a salacious affair one of one of one and the other or both Tyrone, you're so boring and predictable that you sleep in the same bed with your wife every night. Even though she's not really your wife. Um, yeah, he gets uh, he refers to Fizz as the missus today, doesn't he? And somebody I think says, it's a common thing. We've we've been told off by people before. For... But then somebody, uh, it, oh, it was the guy, the uh, the guy who was stealing all the furniture. He refers to Fizz as Tyrone's wife. Yeah. Ty- Alina says to Ty that I've put my name down for a business course. And Fizz comes and says, oh, I've got to go for Hope's annual review, which I don't know what this is. Oh, it's just children who um, have got um, special requirements, like I'm an Setting arsonist. To things. And, uh, and you, you've got an education plan where you have your little special individual targets so that you don't set fire to things anymore. And, oh, and once a year... Good. You have a meeting you just about double it check and to you see double if you check set that. fire to anything. Yeah. Okay. So she wants to go to this and says, can you keep an eye on the shop for me? So um, Lena and Tyrone are moving carpets around and then a man was watching them from a van and they come back later and he's just picking the furniture up and putting it in his van. And he says, oh, no, Fizz told me yesterday to come and get this stuff because uh, I've bought it. So I've just taken it with me. And Tyrone's like, do you want me to help you put it in the van? And he's like, hey, yeah, I would actually. So he drives off with all of his stuff and Fizz comes back. Sorry, I couldn't. Shut up, Siri. Fizz comes back and says, um, oh, the meeting went well. No fires whatsoever. And then she finds out this bloke's nicked everything. And she says, I can't believe this. He was lying. Gary's going to get really mad. Good job, he's in prison. That was basically it, wasn't it? I d- this is just alienating Fizz and Tyrone from one another and creating a team of, of Alina and Tyrone. Um, to get closer to one another. It really feels like this is heading for an affair. It looks really obvious. God, I really don't but, want but it But the so. dynamics at play here are that Fizz is mad at Alina and, and Tyrone. So Tyrone's can then feel alienated from her, but then only can confide in Alina because she was there. And Alina will sort of say, yes, Tyrone, you could not have known that he was stealing everything. How would we supposed to know? And then they get closer and Fizz gets annoyed. Fizz is always annoyed at Tyrone for one thing or another, but... Stealing all your boss's stuff, you know. It's, uh, I, don't, I, I, I don't think that he would have an affair, but... Oh. Anyway, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. 
but um, no, nothing to report there particularly, so I'm just going Well, it just feels like it's ticking along, doesn't it, to... Yeah. Basically, it Fizz going, ha-ha, Tyrone, you're boring and, and predictable, and I de- I'm devaluing the fact that you're a solid, reliable provider for my family. Yeah. Um, and also, you and Alina are in my bad books for something that you kind of couldn't... I mean, I think... I would have been tricked because I'm an idiot and I probably I know, would have I gone. do as well. It's really I nice to I sit here and go, well, they should have checked and phoned Fizz up. But I really genuinely believe what people tell me <laughs> most know, of me the too. time. I, I so can you be can probably very gullible. trick me. Like when, because we're doing all of our mortgage stuff, we've got this like bit of paper from the solicitors going, do not be a victim of fraud and all these things that like, you've got to make sure to do. And I'm so paranoid. I keep looking at it, even though I'm not, <laughs> there's nothing like there's nothing that is happening at the moment that I need to worry about. But I keep looking at it, going, yes, yes, you must make sure that I don't give them twenty million pounds. <laughs> the wrong people. What will happen? Um, right. Just before we finish, then we did have a little bit of the the billion Paul story. Sadly, I thought we'd uh, having a reprieve from that this week, but um, fortunately, it's not much. Billy gets Billy's a, so up himself. Billy gets a juicer slash blender in the post and it's a valentine's present that ball that paul ordered for him a few weeks ago well, when they were still together yeah he says that but then later he says to paul you can't win me over with a juicer you have to let go move on with your life and paul's like i bought it ages ago and i forgot to cancel it get over yourself you loser how about we call it a, a breaking up present he should call it a get riddance present mm-hmm. um, and also billy billy says i'll accept this present as long as you agree to admit that we're over. Yeah, which is weird because it looked like he was going to, you know, try and worm his way back into Paul's life, didn't he? Because Summer was uh, saying to him, you, you're not really over him, are you? But um, no, we're, we're left with the episode with that bizarre scene where, with Tosh. Ed, for some reason, oh, coming yeah. and saying, oh, you've got a story going on here. Oh, can I, I'd like, quite like to be in a story, please. And then to- and, and, uh, Paul's like, no, I'm going now. So Paul's kind of just left wandering alone and he shuffles off to the side of the room and then uh, Billy, and Paul- Billy and Todd give each other looks. funny looks. Well, also, earlier when Paul was being confronted by Billy for giving him a juicer, uh, Todd was standing there. Oh my gosh, there. what was that? That was the worst loitering I've ever seen. He's like... He was, poking his head out from the negligees. Like somebody following you around the shop because they think you're shoplifting like standing like really obviously next to a rack of clothes watching you like a hawk and And, everybody just ignored him he was so clearly there he was making no attempt to conceal the fact that he was earwigging in on their conversation part the clothes and peep through kind of in a comical way he just kind of stood there gormlessly staring at them yeah that was that was that was poor lurking (laughs) Really poor lurking from somebody who was at one point a semi-pro at this. Yeah. Anyway, so um, more for that next week, I suppose. Um, I mean, I'm still very much assuming that Billy and Paul will get back together again. But how long that'll take, I don't know. Not really fussed. So, uh, (laughs) this week then, we feel like we've done a lot of moaning. And it is a real shame because I went into this week thinking, ah... 
this, this I think it's going to be a good week. As I said, they've got a trailer for it. The, the freezer stuff could be quite cool. I was almost caught off guard a bit because I was thinking, oh, it's going to be the house bidding tonight. That's going to be a bit boring because we know that Gail's going to get it in the end or we assume that Gail's going to get it in the end. But then when, when Monday's episode was actually pretty good, I was thinking, wow, this is going to be an amazing week. I actually thought that the freezer stuff was going to happen on Wednesday. And then when it turned out that it didn't, that was another bit of a disappointment to me. And then it just didn't, it didn't quite hit the mark for me today. Um, so I, I'm not going to go too low because I really, really did think Monday's was fab. But Monday's was like a four, four and a half. It was just for, for, you know, capers. Wednesday's was like a one and a half because I can't forgive the, the plot overriding mm. character in quite such outrageous ways in so many different scenes. Yeah. So I'm, I'm And today, gonna... that was like a three and a half, I'd say, because I really enjoyed the, the whacking and the, the, mm. the hiding and the... I'm, I'm going to give this... Um, I'm stealing. I'm going to give this three feathers from heaven out of five. Right, right down the middle. It was... It had, yeah, I think three is a fair... It had potential, but didn't quite reach it. Three. three. This is... This is not a three and a half for me. This is a three. I don't know. I kind of want to give it three and a half because I thought Monday was great. And I liked the... I did like the freezer stuff. I wish you hadn't told me it was coming. I know. I thought you'd seen it. I don't know how you didn't see that. <laughs> it was everywhere. I, did, I didn't. I didn't see what, it. What are you giving it? Three, three or three and a half what? Oh, three and a half. What did you say? I said feathers from heaven. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to give it um, three and a half. Three, no, what did I say? Are three you, and a half. You're going to go three and a half, are you? Three and I'm a sure. half shrimp face platteworms. <laughs> nice. Out of five. Yeah. Character, character of the week. Character of the week. You got to pick one. Um, it, it, it's not, you know, it's not jumping out at me. I'm, uh, I'm thinking, is it Gail? No. Because I, I, I don't think I can give it to Gail or David because I didn't like their interactions on, yeah. on Monday and Wednesday's episode. I liked the Tracy fact that was great, Gail but she was triumphed. Un- I, I what, did, I did And like I think that. that was kind of a bit... And, and that, like, I know, yeah, they were sniping and it was weird and I don't get why Gail would go, yes, eat dog food, David, this will prove your love for me. Um, and it kind of looked like she was giving in by letting him move in in the first place just for an apology. But she, she actually told him to pay for the sinkhole at the end of Wednesday. Yeah. And I think that's a massive, actually massive character development for Gail, who's been nothing but a doormat for her kids mm. for the past God knows how long we've been doing the show for. Yeah, that's true. That's I'm going to give it to Gail because I want to okay. encourage okay. Gail finding her feet and pushing back a little bit because I don't think that David's humour relies on Gail never saying anything back. And I think Cronus Street, I don't know if they think that's what what the joke is but I just think that there's room for a bit of back and forth with Gail and David which doesn't happen very mm. much because I mean Gail and Audrey can snipe back and forward and it's still fun and entertaining yeah. I just don't think that Gail, that David just needs like a sponge to absorb his insults I think it's fun if somebody fires some back mm. okay I am going between Johnny yeah and Debbie this week oh yeah and and the fact Even that no Debbie's plans made no sense. Yeah, that's the thing. And but I did love it when we found out that she was planning to double cross Ray. Um 
something with the way the story just doesn't sit right with me. Um, yeah, I think I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go Johnny for for the for the small amount that he was or or Tracy maybe Tracy. Because she was great on She's Monday. I loved the bidding. But neither was Johnny. But I suppose his story did last the three days. Shall so I? You. I'm going to give it to Johnny. Not because, you know, Johnny showed great depth of character or anything. But it's more for the... Uh, it intrigued me. Um, I thought that Richard's performance was, was really, really good. I think he plays the, um, the unshaven, dishevelled um, convict really <laughs> nicely. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, it piqued my interest. And yeah, but Johnny, Johnny, it's Johnny. Um, and that is it. That is it. But I, I, I'm hoping, really, really hoping that next week's going to go down better for me. It, it, if if my predictions are true that this Ray story comes to a climax next week, then it very well could be. But if they flub it, then I could be even more down on it than I am now. Um, I don't know what else, what other storylines are supposed to be here next week although it looks like the Billy one's going to be on the cards which would be a bit of a shame um, and and I don't think we've seen Are we might, do you think we're going to get an Ilian next week it kind of almost felt that, that setting up that um, yeah, medium like feels like continued. yeah yeah in a month time she's you know <laughs> £10,000 in debt yeah and Crystal Moon's got a new yeah. car yeah I, I really I just want Alahans every week really but I don't know whether we're going to get that quite yet Anyway, we will see you next week, won't we? Shall we move on um, and talk about some news? Okay. Right, let's do some news. We have got some. Um, this is sad news. I think. I think. You, I think it is sad news. Beverly Callard has reported. No, she's not reportedly said. She has definitely said that she's not coming back to Coronation Street after making her um, disappearance last year. Um, all the papers and I think she, at the time she as well was saying I couldn't try and get her back next year so that Liz can have a proper send off and people thinking oh is Jim going to come back and she had an interview with the Sunday Express last week where she um, has said it doesn't look like it's going to be happening um, she says uh, I've got loads of quote here let me read you out some quote I loved Coronation Street I still do and I always will but it's just um, no. but sometimes it's just not your turn on the merry-go-round it was a massive decision for me to make. I've just slipped into okay. Liz now. But I believe I did it for the right no, reasons. I felt Liz had run her course. I'd hate to cheat any fans out there who were waiting and hoping for something amazing to happen to her. I felt that she'd lost her way. Let's just pause it for a minute there. What do you think about that? Because I'm kind of... I think I agree a little bit about the fact that Liz hadn't been, you know, at the top of her game for a little while. What do you think? Well, I, I can't did... remember what her last, yeah, exactly. last storyline... I know, but that... So what... It looks like they were going to be building up to something with her and Scott because they yeah, were having exactly. they had a few scenes together in the Rovers booth, so she was going to be involved in that story, I guess. But no, she'd been more just, um, you know, a, a hanger on her to the Stephen Tracy um, kind of storyline. Did she? Ha- well, she's she- right in that you know the merry-go-round, you know, doesn't always mean you're the centre of attention. But I certainly don't think that. Um, Liz had run a course. I don't agree with that. Oh no, I don't. I don't agree that she'd run a course. I, but I, I think, think perhaps run she out means of... that, like at the times that she left, or like where, as she was deciding to leave, she was like, oh, I don't know. Well, they'd had the story point. with um, with Jim and Hannah, hadn't they? And they'd had the um, uh, the trollop tracker story, of course. The thing is, without Liz being in the Rovers, I think that there's yeah. a bit of a lack. Like this, felt like there was no. 
no reason for it to be in it and she just became uh, unfortunately it seems to happen to a lot of the older women in families they just become the mum of the house who just spend their time in the house talking to family members about what's going to be for tea yeah and she she didn't have a, a fella on the go did she um she obviously didn't have deirdre and liz and deirdre were great together so maybe it was her time to go it's a shame because um there's no character that I would ever want to write off completely. But, I mean, the thing is, she said... Um, well, I'll, I'll carry on yeah, the quote. On. So she says, I was actually toying with the idea of going back to film and exit, but I felt that they wouldn't be able to do Liz justice under the current COVID restrictions. So I don't know, I guess she... I guess by that she means she can't go off hand in hand with Jim. I think that's what the ideal would be. She says, I would have loved it if Liz and Jim had got back together, even if they'd ended up heading off into the sunset together, you know, there'd be a lot of drama beforehand. And you can't have Liz and Jim without those passionate embraces, can you? No, it'd be difficult. It it wouldn't have worked. Complete this... Um, the quote is completed with sadly you can't decide your own storylines and since I'm not going to film an exit they could even kill me off screen if they do I'll accept it with grace I've thought long and hard about this and I know that this time I shut the door on Coronation Street forever hmm um I I, I think the only reason that I'm not sadder about this is that she I don't probably her. I don't I don't really believe her and I think I know it seems really mean to say this but she's left for good like several times she has she's had at least two final exits before like, they even totally... did a farewell Liz program at the end of one of them yeah like never say never I mean saying you're never like I'm gone I'm not ever returning I think um, that's probably her intention at the moment. Yeah, I'm yeah, not saying but... that she's lying at well, all. Well, no, I'm not, not saying she's lying think, the last time. Honestly, either, yeah, but... exactly. I think that things change and um, you change your mind. And I certainly wouldn't want to hold somebody to, like, oh, well, Liz, we were going to, yeah, I mean, Bev, we were going to bring you back, but you said you'd never return. So, no, you're I mean, not she, allowed was, she to. was part of that show like, for 30 years yeah. and she, you can't, re- you can't, I just really think that, cut that off, I, would I really thought. think that um, perhaps if she's able to um, physically and mentally sometime you know, down the line, if it's in a few years or, or longer, she, she'll probably think to herself, actually, I would rather Liz had a really meaty exit. And just, I mean, her main argument seems to be that COVID's going on and I don't want to go back. Mm. So once COVID's over, that's one of the two things that she said she, you know, is the main thing. And then we know we know that anyone can change their mind. Yeah, and and I really also think that it would be incredibly um, unfair on the viewers if they killed Liz off off screen. I think so that's you, that would be a really silly a, thing to um, do. Yeah, I don't I think, think there's any need for that at all. Massive mistake um, to, to do that, I think. So, mm. uh, yeah, I, I think it's a very exciting story um, to, to put in the paper and it mm. drums up a lot of interest and excitement oh. about about Bev and um, and Liz and, and Coronation Street, I just don't think that it's necessarily... It would be a real shame her if, you know, her last, her last scenes were just... Nothing. Nothing. I mean, it, it's, it's similar in a way to Deirdre. I mean, she, her last scene was throwing the trifle, wasn't it? Which was explosive, but it was never meant as a, a final exit for her. And then... Yeah, I also see... think it's a bit kind of, I think, personally... Um, if I was an actor on the show and I had a chance, if I was privileged enough to be able to give my character a proper exit, I think I would take that opportunity 
out of respect for the actors and actresses who have not had that chance because life was snatched away from them. Mm. I think it's kind of... um, I think it's good for closure and... I just, I just, that's what I think, honestly. I, I'm not saying she's being disrespectful, but I am saying that not everybody gets a choice about whether or not their character gets an exit. And oftentimes it's because something incredibly tragic has happened. Mm, mm. And I know that, that Beverly's had a lot of tragedy in her life and who knows what um, what she's going through. And But I just think that never say never, that's all. Yeah, yeah. And with, with Steve and Amy still on the street, I think there is always going to be a place for her, even if it is just for a a final goodbye. So um, watch this space is what I'm saying with that one. Now, somebody... also, I also think it's also another, a privilege to be able to say you're playing a character that people genuinely care about, mm. um, what happens to them in the end. And I think it's never underestimate um, or take for granted like the fact that your employers are going to um, want to make space. You know, yeah. there's loads of actors who just played a boring character and got chucked out and went off in the back of a taxi or not even that. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, So somebody else who um, does not have much of a choice about whether she's coming back at the moment, it seems, is Shirley Houston, who has um, been very noticeable by her absence in Coronation Street this past year. Um, Yeah. Houston. 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 Yeah, um, she was. She made what six appearances, maybe in twenty twenty, and I don't think she's um, gone into detail in public at all about the the reasons for that. But obviously, uh, we can only assume it's pandemic related. Um, and um, she put a tweet out on Monday. I don't think it was only just because somebody asked her about when she's coming back to Coronation Street um, to play Izzy, and she said that the return would be a little while yet, but she is definitely coming back. Um, so that's good. I mean, you know, we're, we're not Izzy's biggest fans on this podcast, of course, but I almost kind of, I, I, I almost kind of miss her in a, in a sad way, in a sad way, in a strange way. And, and, and I wonder whether when she does come back, whether it will be kind of a bit of a refresh and I'll be, you know, happy to see her in, in some peculiar way. You know what I mean? How, how yeah. do you feel about I think no Izzy at the moment? Izzy... Um, is one of these characters that um, doesn't really seem to have many interesting storylines and when they give her a storyline, they kind of flub it a bit. I well, was looking, I was yeah, thinking it was, I mean, about... It was five years ago since the drug story we learned yeah, in the Yeah, I mean, quiz, I was thinking uh, about the drug episode. story and I think um, it's such a shame how that, I think, was mishandled, really. Because her, I, she was arguing about chronic pain and... I think um, one thing that I've personally learned um, over the last few years is how difficult, how many people live with like chronic illnesses and lots of them are invisible, um, but she obviously has no choice but to sort of, when you look at her, you know, you know? Yeah. And I think that there's a lot to be said about that because I don't think people really understand how mentally draining and upsetting and horrible it would be to have to live in constant pain mm, mm. and that that drug storyline devolved into somewhat of a joke as you can tell by the way we're talking somewhat because it. Yes. it kind of turned into like a weird like she, where she's passionately arguing that she you know has the right to live without pe- um, pain and fear and then the next minute she's 
she gets told yeah. off and she completely yeah. forgets about Sent it. Sent off to prison and, and then she's all right again. it never gets mentioned again. It was a bit strange. Yeah, it, it was. But yeah maybe, yeah, maybe, as I said, this will be a chance for her to have a bit of a refresh and I come back with something something good. And also, I mean, Jake's yeah. going to be getting older now, isn't he? Yeah. Um, not obviously old enough for, for his own storylines, but, you know, we might see him about more. There's still, still the link with Gary, of course. Um, so, yeah, There's why not? There's a lot not? of stuff to be said about um, the experiences of Izzy as a disabled woman. And I don't think that she gets really given any no any um space to to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, finally, 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 we have got a dancing on ice update for anybody who's following. Well, I suppose if you're following it, you already know about it, and if you're not, maybe you don't care. But we're going to talk about it anyway because there's nothing else to say uh, for our third news item this week. Um, controversy surrounding Faye Brooks. By Kate Connor. Now, peop- so it seems from what I can glean from the various news articles that I've read <laughs> that there are there are two schools of thought on this. There are some people who are saying that the judges were too harsh on Faye. And last weekend, uh, Dancer and I, she did this graceful dance to um, Swan Lake, and I saw little clips of it on YouTube, and it looked jolly good. Um, and she got thirty two two and a half out of forty. And people are saying, "What on earth are you talking about? That was almost perfection. How on earth could she have got better?" Um, and then other people, apparently, some of the celebrities, reportedly, are saying that Faye is being given preferential treatment and being songs that kind of match the dance style that she was trained at in a young age because she was a trained ballerina. Um, so <laughs> I don't know how, whether or how much of that is true, but um, she's certainly a, a, a talking point in the, the Dancing on Ice discussion. And... Um, who getting, thought, getting their face out there and a name in the headlines. Who would have thought that allowing people who are trained as dancers to compete against people who aren't? Well, this is the, this is the bugbear that you've always I, had. I with always say this. Ice, I don't. It? I genuinely don't understand why there can't be a year where everybody is trained as dancers and a year where nobody is trained as a dancer. Mm. Wouldn't it be more fair? I mean, honestly. There's always, every year, there's always like the joke person who everyone laughs at because they can't dance. Mm. And, and then there always I'll, seems to be I'll some that are trained say, dancers, and they say, "Yeah, but I'm, I'm not dancing. I'm not trained dancing on ice. It's completely different." And it's like also, it's it's no. I was going to swear then. It's no coincidence that the people that get laughed at are the older, less attractive, less skinny people. Um, some of them take it in in good. Uh, I can't. Good I can't humor, say that Anthony but... Cotton was um, <laughs> necessarily one of the most serious. Look back at the people that are famous for being no, ballet dancers and tell me there's not some kind of link between them. Oh, I know definitely. Let's all just laugh at fat old people who but... can't dance. Oh, well, <laughs> do you... I'm sorry. I'm in a bad mood. I don't you like dancing. Bad mood. About... Silly. Uh, well, there we go. But for anyone that wants to know, Faye is still in it, and um, she's been talked about a lot. It's not a real competition, Too easy for her or too hard for her? It's just not a genuine competition. (laughs) Good luck, Faye, as you carry on in this competition. Let's move on to some feedback. (laughs) (laughs) Right, feedback time. And we have got um, 3.57. Not we have got. Coronation Street has got 3.57, according to our Facebook group for last week's episode. So slightly better than average, they say. Um, Hill gave it... Three trips to Muff with Mary. <laughs> Sophie gave it four tingling armpits. And Chad gave it four and a half pocket-sized Sophia Lorenz. Said they were my favourite picks of the week. Thank you very much to everybody who always votes on those polls. I do really, really enjoy going on there towards the end of the week and finding out what people have scored it out of. Yeah. Yes, I do. I do indeed. I think it's great. Gemma, you've, uh, we've got a new iTunes review from... Hello, were you expecting me? Although it says, hello, were you exo me? Don't critique 
I'm not. Maybe that's just a cool, edgy thing that they've put in their username. But thank you for everybody who reviews us on iTunes, especially those people who gives us five out of five reviews, as this person did. Um, Gemma, would you like to read this? Would you like me to read it? The person says, an absolutely wonderful podcast, which is now one of the highlights of my week. Thank you very much. Haven't listened to it for over a year. My only suggestion... <laughs> I you said haven't listened to it for over a year. <laughs> <laughs> my only suggestion for this lovely podcast is that it could be a tiny bit shorter. For example, two hours maximum, rather than two and a half, three and a half hours. That's not a tiny bit shorter. <laughs> That's cutting it in half. Yeah, if you wanted, if you wanted uh, two sausages... No, if you wanted three and a half sausages and somebody gave you two sausages, you'd you'd be shortchanged a sausage and a half. Yeah. <laughs> um, Michael and Gemma are great, and they put so much time and effort into it. Well done to them both. Thank you. Oh, I don't know how we can make it shorter. We had the conversation just too about much this to again. Talk. I There's agree just too with much you. To say. I agree. I think I my I know what I want to do, but I think it's too much uh, work for you. I don't. Which I is can't to, have any more work. Which is just to put street talk separately. I mean, the thing is about it is that if we wanted to make this shorter, we'd have to take something out of it. And one of the things that we said when we started Patreon was we're not going to take anything away from people because we could just put some content for our patrons only. Yeah. Um, but no we don't want to... I don't want to do that because that's Absolutely really mean not. because the people that support us and got us to this situation where we could even have a Patreon... Um, are, you know, deserve to have the same amount of content as we've always done. And I know some people don't have time to listen to this, and that's been one of the biggest criticisms that people have um, of the show, is that it's too long. But also, you just get as many people saying that they like how long it is. There's just so much I to do talk think about. The only barrier. thing that I was thinking, the, the only my, my way of shortening it is that we don't give a synopsis of what happened. We just assume that everybody who's listening has watched it and knows what's going on and we yeah. just say what we thought about I it. I don't but know then, how useful it would be. No, and I know that lots of people that listen to it do are, are people that haven't seen it or, you know, from Canada I don't or whatever know. and want to know what happened. I or, don't know how many people... But some people, I think, listen to it because they're like, I don't know what happened there. Yeah. Sometimes it's I not also, obvious. I we also have think to that work it out. From from the synopses, other discussion points spark off and other jokes yeah, or what have you that, that wouldn't come if we just had our notes of this is what we want to talk about. So it's really really it's fucking Corey's fault for making six need, episodes. There are some bits that we don't need to have. Like we don't need a quiz and we don't need the news. And we don't need the feedback. Like, we started this show to be about Coronation Street and we've just kind of expanded it. And the only thing I can think of is to make the Street Talk a separate podcast and everything else in, the, in a separate podcast. Well, we've already got our bonus podcast for the middle bit, haven't we? By the way, check it out this week. We have got a character profile of Phyllis Pierce for Valentine's Day weekend for you, everybody. Yeah. Um, I understand. I understand what you're saying. But I think it is a bit of a barrier for us to get people to listen. I know. I know. All I can just say is, if it's too long, put your podcast player on... Double time. Double time or something. That's how I watch YouTube videos. I know that we waffle on about off-topic things a little bit as well, but we, we don't much... There's some podcasts that I listen to that really, really go off topic. Like, I'll listen to some Nintendo ones, and it can be, you know, half an hour into the episode before they've even mentioned anything about video games in there. And we're if not you, like that. If you listen to My Favourite Murder, which is probably one of the most popular podcasts in the world, they get, like, 30 million downloads... They spent 40 minutes talking about what they did that week, what they watched and listened to, how many times they went to therapy and what other shows in their network are doing. And I love that show, but they don't talk about murders for a lot of the time. But, you know, their whole show is is only 
an hour and a half mm. maximum probably so you're getting half of the half of a show about what you actually want to listen to yeah and, I don't know. okay maybe people don't want to hear about you know, sometimes I talk about what's going on at school or we, we talk for a minute about cure for shin splints and everything, but it's all, it doesn't come out of nowhere, do it? It's all linked to, usually, I try to, to make it, in, I try to I share I, I, I things think that are interesting. Is. I think it is. It's, um, I just don't, I, I mean, back when we first started the podcast, it obviously wasn't this long. And we had five episodes to talk about then rather than six, and I don't know how we... We just didn't... I don't know. I, don't I agree know. with this feedback. I know, I know. Oh, it's a bit, it's a bit of a head scratcher. We're in a quandary. What, we're only making it worse. I know. Right now. Billy, uh, this was a really nice message that was put on our Facebook group this week, wasn't it? Um, who says, I'm a proud bisexual trans man. Just want to, just writing to say that I'm really overjoyed hearing Gemma and Michael have such a nuanced and lovely conversation about labels on the newest Conversation Street podcast. So interesting. Really enjoyed listening to your commentary. I really admire how your discussions are so respectful and mature. I was very pleased to hear that because that was one of the things I was worried about. Um, we talk about so many things that really we don't know very about. much about and we do, we feel that we've got no authority to talk about certain subjects. And I'm sure that there are some things that we say, especially me, where people go, no, that's not right. You've gone you know, across the line there or, you know, you really don't get it. So um, I just wanted to include this message because it was it was nice. Well, it to... makes us feel uh, relieved that we're not upsetting people. Yeah, because, at least not everybody. Um, yeah, yeah, I guess if it upset you, you either you write in and tell us off or you don't listen at all. So, um, you know, not everything... But the thing I just want to say to people, um, I'm at some point, I'm going to say something to, that's going to upset you probably or offend you. And um, I just hope that you kind of... If that happens, you realise that it's not me being trying to be horrible because I'm going to... Like, when you work something out, it's difficult. Yeah, when and you're working I, I just, it out, you're, you kind of just say whatever until you find what you want to say. Yeah. And along the way, you might say things that... But I just, but I think that um, everyone's been really nice. And I, I just think that um, it, it feels... Honestly, sometimes it feels a bit strange how nice people are being. Because honestly, I think a lot of the stuff... If I said some of the things I'm saying on this podcast and I wrote them on a forum or on Twitter or something, I think I'd get piled on from people and... Um, I don't know whether it's the podcasting medium or, or like just social media or whatever. Um, just be everyone. Just you just need to remember that whoever's talking isn't trying to annoy you. No, I I really really don't want to offend or upset anybody that's listening. Mm. Um, we just kind of say whatever really and say what we think, and everyone. I'm not always going to be everyone's right. Everyone's got. Not yeah, always going to be right. And I think everyone's got a right Just to Just got to muddle through. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But thank you very much, Billy, um, for sending that through. I'm glad that you enjoy the show. Yes. And again, write in if you have an experience that's relevant to our conversation, whether you agree or disagree Has with whatever conclusions. Has anybody been trapped in a fridge? How long did you live for? <laughs> did you survive? Let us know. <laughs> did you have to get thawed out? Have you been camping in February in Manchester? Yeah. Or the general area. Mm. Anyway, yeah. So thank you. That was that meant a lot. Thank you. Yes, it really did. It was lovely. Right, shall I read Nancy's? Go for it. Highlights of this week. She said last week, Asher telling Dev labels are passe. And Ardy's reaction to Asher's relationship. Dev speaking with Roy. Evelyn's comments while Ardy is doing a review of her. Peter telling Carla 
He needs to be in the hospital. Jenny's speaking with Rita because she's thinking about her future with Johnny. Now his MS is getting worse. Oh, that was missing this week, wasn't it? That was such a lovely scene last week with Jenny and Rita. Mm. And um, I just, yeah, I want Rita in all of these scenes at the moment. She she really does <laughs> seem to be a bit of the missing missing link. Um, Rita saying to Daisy, you can't say that. <clears throat> um, Alina moving out of Fizz and Tyrone's house. Debbie deciding to auction David's house. Mary and Tracy's comments in the bistro. How come Nick is not paying the bills on his flat? She doesn't need it. We find out this week. Leanne's saying, no, it's all right, Nick. Carriage of the Week is Dev. I'll give this week's episodes three and a half wet towels out of five. I just want to... <coughs> I did give Nick a pass on this earlier. You got a bit of a frog in your throat this week. I evening. do, yeah. Um, More wine. I, That'll sort it out. I'm not drinking wine. Why is it? Cider. Um, yes. Anyway... Um, I gave Nick a pass earlier and I think that they've got they've kind of got out of having to address this issue. But literally, Nick must have moved out of Leanne's flat or his flat or whoever's and I assume they share responsibility for the bills and just cancelled all of his direct debits. Yeah. <laughs> God, I don't live there anymore. And I assume that Natasha's paying her rates and stuff on her house and he's not paying for that. The, the so Nick's like living it up. it in. <laughs> yeah. Factory boss, not having any bills no or obligations. No outgoings. Buying, goes to the... Um, Speed dial every day for lunch. Goes goes to the, the Science Museum gift shop. What, uh, whatever you want, Sam. You want that <laughs> telescope? You can have it. You want this Atlas of the Stars? You can have it. Because it's got my face in it, because it's not that kind of star. Right. Uh, oh. Rebecca says, Love the Asher and Nina story. I always thought Nina would be the one who would be like, no labels. So I was surprised. But it was Asher who proudly said that she had none. Also loved Asher and Dev's scene. Jimmy and Tanisha did that perfectly. See, that that was the kind of scene that there was nothing quite like that this week. And I know scenes like that particular coming out scene, you know, aren't ten a penny. But um, I, I could have done with a scene this week that made me go feel all warm and tingly inside. Um, I'm lost already. Uh, I also liked Adi's reaction and was pleased how supportive he was to his sister. I've got a sneaking suspicion, though, that Corey might not be happy when he finds out. And of course, because it's a soap, I foresee bumps ahead. If they did break up, I wouldn't mind it, as long as it wasn't angsty. And eventually they would get back together in the end. I also loved Dev and Roy's scene in the, in the cafe and thought that Roy was upset that Nina didn't confide in him like Asher did with Dev. Looking forward to seeing where this goes. Um, I really don't want Ball and Billy to get back together again, though. I quite like the new summer this week and still enjoyed Todd as well. I could foresee a desperate proposal from Paul to win back Billy, leading Todd to carry on his meddling. But I'm really tired. Just pair Billy up with Todd as we all know it's coming and put Paul with someone else. So, yeah. Do, do, do we... I'm not so sure now. I, I, I still think that Paul and Billy are going to end up together, but whether or not he's going to take a little detour and and end up bedding Todd in the meantime. I'm not sure. Because he, he felt like he was partly getting close to just going straight back to Paul today. They're know. all just being unlikable. Yeah. yeah. I don't want any of them to be happy. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm also kind of enjoying Simon at the moment, Rebecca says, although I could do without the drugs part of the story. That's County a shame lines. because that is pretty much part of the story. Gemma, when I was in here the other day, there was a news... Um, program on and there was county line stuff going right on here in Southampton apparently 10 people were arrested in Southampton train station the other day because of doing county line stuff was there news uh, where Where on the telly it was on the Meridian News this is one of those things where I've gone my whole life not hearing anybody say 
county lines, which is such a strange, un like it weird, doesn't make you think doesn't, drugs. It doesn't. Or, it, it doesn't explain anything at all or, to do with what. It's, it's such an obscure way of describing yeah, who what came is up going with that label because it doesn't involve crossing county lines at all. Well, no, um, it does. It does. It's about it I'm going to go and deliver drugs up to. You know, you said this before, but. It, it's about child exploitation, isn't it, in general? Yeah, it sounds like it's like a police code for something and then they forgot to give it an actual name. Or... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it keeps cropping up. People keep saying, oh, county lines this and county lines that. It makes me think, like, every single time I've heard it previously to this, I've just gone, makes no sense, just delete from memory. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I keep forgetting what it is, but now it's possibly coming into Coronation Street. Maybe that'll help me um, remember what it is more. But yeah, apparently it's going right on. And apparently during lockdown, it's even worse. Really? Yep. That's why you uh, should get arrested if you leave your house. Exploiting the fact that children aren't, aren't having to go to school and they're saying, you don't need to do that online learning. Deliver some drugs to me. Hmm. Well, it's exercise. <laughs> um, where do we get Who's to? Who's that? Joe Wicks is getting everybody to go out and exercise. He is, him, isn't he? He's got right, his subliminal messages in his daily go exercise Go to the post videos. and get the parcel I sent you. <laughs> um, of course, Joe Wicks is not involved in... No, he's, got, he's been honoured by the Queen. Has he? What's he got? Knighthood. I want a knighthood. Um, I'm kind of enjoying Simon at the moment. We've already said that. Uh, I also like how he's still trying to look after Leanne. I have yeah. no clue what Daniel can bring. Although when he kept saying he would punch the guy who stole Simon's bike, it did make me laugh. Daniel, you'd be bad in a fight, apart from a fight with words. Daisy. Even then, I don't think he'd do it. I think he's all mouth. Mm, he, he's, he prefers punching walls, doesn't he, Daniel? He'd, he'd all, the only, probably, the only poems he could, like, recite at you would be like Shakespearean love sonnets and they're not exactly insulting are they? <laughs> Daisy just go away and stop trying to uh, fix Jenny up with another guy and also stop telling Jenny to split up from Johnny so glad Rita told us straight and I love the scene between Jenny and Rita and the mention of both Ted Sullivan and Percy it was appreciated yeah. I do think Jenny will be tempted along the line though but in the end stick with Johnny yeah, it, it feels it, it it feels sadly inevitable that Jenny will be tempted by someone. It's weird that Daisy went and spoke to that guy the other week and wanted his number and that never mm. went anywhere. I wonder about that guy that um, that Carla saw the other week, uh, Lucas, Lucas, do you remember? Is 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 he going to be a bit of a is there going to be a bit of a love triangle there between Jenny and Carla and Lucas? What? I don't know. It feel I I I don't know whether this guy's coming back into it. Don't but... come back because you I, I were... quite liked him. I know, but it's unfortunate he was involved in a storyline where he was not welcome. Yeah. <laughs> no, maybe maybe look out for that one. I don't know. Um, uh, I'm lost again. <laughs> I love the direction in Monday's episode and Peter dashing off. I like the normality of the Fizz and Tyrone stuff, but please don't have Tyrone and Alina have an affair. She's too young for him as well. I know. Finally, so sad that Ted is dead. I'm kind of hoping Gail uses the money she receives from either lending it to David or buying it outright herself. Well, she did. Although I can't see how she can get the money in one day. Don't worry about that, Rebecca. It just happens. Mary's muff line made me hell. I also appreciated the shout-outs for Brian and Phyllis too. Character of the week is Asher, and I give it four and a half. Lovely gay Ted is deads out of five. Thank you very much. Ta, Rebecca. Fangirl Overload123 has written about this Last week's... bit of feedback this week. Um shenanigans and she says I feel like a lot of people have been locked inside a fridge by their evil business partner so I'm glad Corrie is giving them a voice <laughs> <laughs> it is good to get representation I keep saying that 
Billy, uh, gosh, Billy and Paul are a bit tedious, aren't they? Ha ha ha, Gail bowing back, her house was awesome, as was David eating his dog food. There you go, somebody... Um, no, that, that was just funny. a weird... Se- the no, concept- she thought it was funny. No, 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 I'm saying, the concept of the scene was weird, but actually seeing him do it was kind of funny. <laughs> um, did I tell you the story about when I, when I was little, my head, our headmaster pretended to eat dog food? Oh, no, but I think that's a classic assembly. Oh, is it in the book? Yeah. <laughs> you get something that's not dog he food got a, in a tin. Yeah, you got a tin of meat. He's like, who wants to be brave? Who wants to show that they trust me or something? No, he said he oh, ate the dog food out of a can, and he and then he said, "Don't judge things by their appearances." Mm. Yeah, we all went ew, and uh, I guess it worked though because I remembered that he ate meatballs. And I didn't. thought you were going to tell me the story about when you ate grass when you were little. That was a good story as well. The thing I took away from that assembly was don't trust people, not don't, <laughs> don't trust teachers. Adults lie to you. <laughs> um, so Fangal Overlow one two three says at the risk of sounding harsh, I think Leanne may have finally lost it. But good <laughs> on her for lasting this long. I know I'm in the minority, but I love Daisy. Character of the week is Gail, and I give it four juice makers for juice lovers out of five. See, I don't, I, I, I don't think you're in the minority I'm not sure for liking Daisy. I think, might, I think people... you might be in the minority, but oh, really? the, the, majority, the minority is larger than you might think because of the amount of... Is it criticism, maybe? We've had a lot of feedback from people saying that they really like Yeah, Daisy. I mean, there's a post going on right now, because I had to look a minute ago before we start recording this segment, where people are weighing up the pros and cons of Daisy, and there is, Daisy has got some some fans out there. Um, but I just oh, I just can't get behind her at the moment, because... Th- th- you don't like seem her, to be, I don't and like... I'm waiting for her to get good. Uh, but she's, I want but to get, tell you I what, want to like she's her, but... providing pot, at least. Yeah. She's she's just so so incredibly one dimensional, and the you fact to... that she's splitting up Jenny and Johnny, which I don't like, I just but she just seems like a massive massive cow. I think that she's an important character from a te- from a kind of production, kind of technical manufacturing the show perspective, because Jenny has got nobody else to confide in apart from Carla at the moment. They're not really that close, and Carla is spending a lot of her time with. Peter and the Barlows. So I think that the amount of time that they would be able to, to spend with Carlos in scenes with Jenny perhaps might be limited and therefore they had to make Daisy into a more significant character just to give somebody for Jenny to talk to. She can't like... talk to Rita as much as we would like because I think that um, Barbara Knox is probably limited as to how many oh, yeah, scenes that she can be in. So I think like it, it's one of those things where... You might not like the character, or I might not like the character, but from a, a storytelling point of view, they're an important part of... Because, like, I'd always like to on see... Corrie, oh. on, on soaps, we can't hear what the characters are thinking. No. In order for us to find out what they're doing, they have to talk to somebody else. I wouldn't have mind a Jenny either getting a friend with a character who's already on the street, or maybe rediscovering some of our older friends or enemies or just you know having jenny talk to sally i know but the thing is about having jenny it, talk to kevin because they used to be uh, jenny and abby really, could be a great team they really want daisy to put jenny off of being with johnny mm. and i don't think any of the other characters on the street it would make sense or feel 
right for them to constantly be telling Jenny to dump Johnny because they all know them just as well as the other each other and also it'd be a bit cruel and it would reflect badly on their characters whereas Daisy's come in she doesn't know who Johnny is really so it makes sense that she's saying this yeah the the other thing with Jenny with Daisy that gets my goat a little bit is that she's making Jenny look gullible and and blind because Jenny can't see that Sometimes, sometimes she stands up to her, but often she's just like, "Oh, Daisy, well, don't don't be so silly, or don't know, say that." Oh well, we're still mates. She she, she doesn't realise that Jen that, da- that Daisy's trying to manipulate her, and I think Jenny's smarter than that. But to play devil's advocate, she is um, not. She's not on her game, and she's got other things to worry about. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. That's true. I I'm I'm I really really want to like Daisy. And when she came in, her first episode, I thought that she was ace when she was sneaking around and she had a, 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 a boyfriend and she was listening and going, ooh, the drama, Jenny and Johnny are arguing. She was a lot more fun then. Then she, ah, oh, yeah, it's it's a really, really difficult one. I think uh, she'll, I think there's a place in Corrie for her. I'm just not, I haven't seen anything that I'm particularly like, yeah. She, she's got no vulnerability or... Or sympathy, oh, I don't know. I, I don't like the know. way she said she threatened to beat Carla up for Jenny. That was yeah, no, great. I didn't mind that line. I didn't mind that. Um, anyway, that is it. Thank for you, our everybody. Feedback for, for the all week. of your feedback. We've um, hope much. you enjoyed listening to us talking about the the week's activities. And I hope you, you agreed somewhat, but if you didn't, that's fine because we all think differently about Ooh. different things. And <laughs> do write and tell us if you think we said anything that completely flies in the face of what you're currently thinking about this week's Coronation Street. Yeah, like, I can't believe that you would say that Roy would think this, or Wednesday's episode was a masterpiece, or dog food is actually tasty. <laughs> I don't know why David didn't want to eat it, etc., <laughs> etc. Et um, camping is very fun when it's cold. Oh, man, camping. I'm not a massive fan of camping at the best of times, but couldn't do it. I like camping, it. but like I said... There's something sadistic about making children camp in, in January, in fe- in February. February. Yeah, right. It really is. If you want to feedback about any of these School's things, gone. It's, or it's something that, it's else. that evil head teacher at Bessie Street, isn't it? Is he still there? I can't well, remember what happened to him in the end. Yeah, Mister What's His Face. Mm. Is he still there? He's probably down to him. Right, yeah, that, that's it. If you'd like to email us, then we're at conversationstreet at gmail.com uh, and you can send all your feedback that way or you can um, express your love for the podcast by means of an iTunes review, as uh, our reviewer this week did. Um, you can follow us on Instagram, you can follow us on Twitter and we are on Facebook and Spotify and YouTube. And this week on YouTube, we re-uploaded a discussion that we had Ooh, about 200 episodes ago about long-lost family members on Coronation Street, which is quite fun. It was at the time when Gina was just coming back to the show and we thought, what other, what other family members could show up on Coronation Street one day and for the first time in a long time? And I think one of the first characters we talked about was Debbie Webster. Yeah, spoiler alert, it? some of them have come back and some of them never will. No. So that was an interesting thing to listen to. Check it out on our and YouTube. And you can also find our Patreon at Patreon. And don't forget to enter our competition if you'd like to win a top-tier um a year's worth of uh, co- uh, Conversation Street goodness. Yes, email us. How, how long has a podcast been? From start to the end of episode 254, um, you have got a we week to do it, everybody. I'm not accepting the answer too long. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, um, sorry, sorry again. Although, if it's you, too if, long. You know, you might be closer than. Should we just get rid of the quiz and the, and the birthdays? I love the quiz. 
I know, but I don't know how interesting it is. I think people like to play along. Well, I'm imagining they do. That's why we, why we put it in. It's not maybe the quiz. It's, it's not the that interesting. Talk. It's the street talk. That, that would chunk. That long. would cut out a good ten, fifteen minutes. It's just something to think about. It'd still be really long. I know, but you, but you don't, Michael. You don't just go. Well, we can't. We can't change it, so we don't bother. This is how come we're not good at budgeting. Don't we go, have... oh, well, what's, one Starbucks is only £3.50. <laughs> so let's just keep buying them and wondering why we don't have any money. I'm sure we've asked on the Facebook group before, like, what do you think, guys, about the length of it? And people have said that the longer the better, but then... I know, but you're asking people that, like, are so dedicated to listening to the podcast that they joined a group about know, it. They're not going to say, I don't want any more... I don't want to listen to it, are they? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we're asking for people to be too honest and we might get upset. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we got to do something. Right. Is there anything else we want to add to this? No, I don't think there long. particularly is, but oh, um, hopefully there is another Patreon little... episode coming on this weekend because we're hoping to record a Valentine's Day themed Patreon. Can I just do special. a little spoiler? Gemma can go ahead and do a tiny little spoiler about something that she was right, going to mention. Listen, so if you don't want to know about it, I think it, if you've, I think you if you know, know, you know. I think people know. Um, but just in case. So, so, I don't understand why they did this. Coronation Street revealed, or, or somebody did, officially, that Sudavani's uh, contract has been renewed until 2022. Right before her character in is put in a life or death situation. <laughs> I can't see the logic here at all. I don't. I seriously this don't get it. This is them shooting themselves in the Wait foot again. Wait until next week. Because genuinely, if, she had, if we had not known whether she was going to she had a contract or not I was thinking that she didn't so when they said that she did I was like well she's going to be in it for obviously she's not going to yeah it takes if we hadn't known the... because we, we've been wondering like how, how long is she going to yeah, be exactly. back for she's is been she... in it for a, Are they gonna a get really rid of her, pleasingly or... long t- amount of time yeah but she still felt very guest she did it casty. felt like special guest starring yeah Zinavani. and I'm, I'm really chuffed I'm that she's really going to be in it until I, at least next I, year and, and it doesn't mean she she's only going to be in it for a year if they like her they'll keep her um, and, and I wouldn't be surprised, and if she's happy to stay, of course. I don't know whether um, somebody leaked this and they had to reveal it or what happened, but no. the timing of this could not have been worse. They, they didn't, because I, I've i known about it um, from something I saw for like three or four weeks. Now, I, I definitely knew about it before the news broke, like two or three weeks before that. Um, it was utterly mind-bogglingly, bafflingly weird yeah, but that don't they forget decided that we... to, to spoil the fact that Abby's going to be fine. And while I'm on that subject, having a look at any TV guide cover for next week um, will tell you also other things about that storyline. Why oh, do I that? It completely takes away any sense of drama and suspense that this Karen and Debbie stuck in the freezer well, might have possibly had. they're not responsible for what the soap mags put on the covers. But, you know, don't forget mm. that time they had that mole that was leaking stories um, yeah, and sure they had to, there. like, negotiate to, to keep something else secret. So, who knows, there could be a really bigger secret that Sometimes, they're sitting on. Sometimes, Coronation Street, if they don't want people to know the outcomes of big twists, they the, do the following week synopses are very carefully written so that it doesn't give anything away. But they really... Or they do stuff like they did when they they hid Oliver Farnsworth. They wouldn't even let him tell his family yeah. that he was coming back as um yeah what's his name character Andy Andy in the basement with Pat Phelan. Mm. Um, no, the fact that the, the, what what has a, what has been said about Sue Devaney staying, what's been said about some of the developments to this plot next week, they really didn't it? want to keep it quiet. Um, what what the only thing I don't know really, and I don't know whether it's out there 
is what happens with Ray. Because looking at the synopsis for today's episode, there's no mention of Ray being arrested. So I'm kind of wondering whether any of wondering next week's episodes. <laughs> I'm wondering if any of next week's um, goings on with Ray are in any of the synopses. And if not, then that's quite exciting because it could go could go any way. But uh, this well, feels like maybe an arrest. Well, talk about contributing to the problem that you just said that you wanted to solve, which is the the podcast is too long. We'll go now. We will. And we hope you have a lovely weekend. Don't forget to, to be happy because it's the year of the ox. And have is a nice... Is anyone else having nice Chinese food this week? Gemma's making some nice Chinese food tomorrow, aren't you? No. Aren't you? No, I'm going to order it in. I'm tired of cooking. Are you really? Oh, I thought you were going to make a nice Chinese I told you I was going to have... Oh, okay, lovely. Nice no. Chinese takeaway for us. You need to get dumplings and and spring rolls... Because they represent uh, wealth. I think the spring rolls are supposed to look like golden ingots. Maybe I'm making this up. A you can stop listening now if you're just going to talk about food for a bit. And um, noodles that have to be very long. Or maybe that's on your birthday. You have to eat long noodles for a long life. If you live in the Manchester area, which I imagine some of the listeners to this do, then you've got to go and check out that amazing Chinese supermarket that we found last oh, there's summer no, there's when we were there. there's quite a few of them in that area but that are massive. I don't remember what this one was called, but it was huge and vast. and. Yes. Uh, and, just go and find that. But if you live in Southampton, which we know some people who are listening do. Oh, yes, we do have Southampton listeners. Go to Yow Brothers, because you might not realise um, that it is open to the public. And although it's got a very annoying car park, um, you can go it in there. It does have a very annoying and car park. You and you can buy all kinds of incredible things. I definitely recommend you buy some of the dim sum. Because you can buy dumplings and... Um, mm. And uh, nice gyozas, and they got hot pot meats. And anyway, I think that one in Manchester was called like it had a strange name, like Smiths or something. Does it? Doesn't ring a bell, darling. Mm. Anyway, it was great. Anyway, happy Chinese New Year, happy Valentine's weekend, everybody. We love you, and that is it. We will see you next week for more Conversation Street. Goodbye. The music of this episode came from podcastthemes.com. <laughs>